1: All right, so we are back. We we have a lot to talk about today. We really do, because we, we got do. we have a Brewers trade, we have a Badger game, we have another Badger game, and then we have three Bucks games. Uh, yeah. so we have a Badger football and a Badger basketball game. So we're gonna start with basketball, seeing as that game just ended. Um, so I watched the whole game. Jake missed the first half because he was at work. You know, like a hardworking guy. But the first half was the the Connor Esiejian, Max Klesman, and Isaac Lindsey carrying the show. Um, they had 19 of the Badgers' 23 points in the first half. Um, I gotta say everyone was doing a fantastic job um, on def- on defense, forcing Dayton into contested jump shots, and they were switching all of the screens. Um, Connor Gilmore. With 35 seconds left, dives on the floor, gets a jump ball, and the Bucks get a three after taking it. Bucks, the Badgers get a three after taking the timeout after getting that jump ball. So I want to give Carter Gilmore credit for that. And that was part of a 7 0 run over the last five minutes of that first half. So just really good stuff with Wisconsin. Justin loves it. Um, he says he misses both of us deeply. <laughs> uh, well, you'll be able to see us again tonight, later tonight, even after the show. what? At, yeah. Um, we're going to be on another show tonight. So, um, I
2: can get the name of the show. You can keep going.
1: Okay. So getting into the second half, Marcus Ilver on the rebound. It gets tipped out into the backcourt. Chucky Eppern brings the ball back up the floor. Mark Four comes to the top of the three-point line. Cash is a three. That's just more. Diving on the floor. Extra hustle which was done all game long by the Badgers, offensively, defensively, in between, diving on the floor. Like, it's just, that's Wisconsin basketball. And ultimately, that's the reason they won today. They didn't win because they scored a bunch. They didn't win because they were, you know, that Dayton was just missing a bunch of shots. They won because they played harder. Mm -hmm. Dayton made some shots. They did. But I'm 115% confident in saying Wisconsin played this game harder than dayton did um so getting in second half um marcus silver actually broke an 8-0 Dalton, uh, dayton run at that point too um yeah glad they showed hustle and grit because the offense was yeah very bad um and i have this written down guys gotta hit open threes whether it's Stephen crowell Chucky hepburn jordan davis if you're wide open that you you have to knock those down if the Badgers want to pull an upset tomorrow against Kansas. So the other things that I had with the second half, Isaac Lindsay was running the backup point guard, which is interesting to see. Um, We were kind of wondering if it was going to be Jacoby Neath or Kamari McGee, or I brought up last week maybe even Jordan Davis running some backup point guard. Today it was Isaac Lindsay running some backup point guard. Um, And just seeing the Badgers working so hard on the offensive boards, is it's just great to see two shot yes. clock violations in the second half for Dayton. One of them was right after uh, Stephen Crow's turn over trying to get a high ball. Badgers came down defensively, forced a shot clock violation. Um, Matt, I didn't check the box score for Chucky's field goals. Uh, I was much more focused on the the bench starter point distribution. Uh, the Badgers bench scored 24 points, and the starters scored 19. So the starters were actually outscored by the bench, and it was basically just Connor Isigian, um, Marcus yeah. Silver, and Isaac Lindsay that had the points off the bench. Um, the other thing that needs to be brought up with the starting lineup is Max Klezman. In my opinion, yeah. despite Connor Asijian doing really well offensively, Max Klezman is the player of this game. Uh, Max Klezman, two seconds left, gets a block shot. On Kobe Elvis as he's driving to the basket, he kind of had a step on him. Max Klesman goes and gets a block shot, and I'm like, "That's Greg Gard. You said Zach Showalter. That's Zach fucking Showalter right there, wearing number 11. He to yep. uh, block that shot in that type of situation without fouling. That's fantastic by Max Klesman. And then Jake and I at the same time were pointing things out that I. Uh, I think it was Tyler wall had the ball just inside the corner three-point line and Chucky Hepburn standing at the top of the three-point line. Max Cusman's trying to set a back screen for Chucky and, and Max is out there directing traffic. He's like, he's trying to get Chucky to move this way. He's he had a ball where he passed the ball to Stephen Crowell and he's trying to get guys cut. Like Max Cusman's out here trying to direct traffic and he's, I don't know. I'm not, he's a shooting guard, but he's not the guy who's handling the ball. He's not the point guard of the offense. But he's out there taking charge of shit. Yeah. I love to see it. And he played great defense in this game, including the clutch block, like Matt said. I am um, I am thrilled with the way that Max Klesman played in this game. Connor Sejan, obviously, on the offensive end, too. Um, just comes down to everybody doing their things efficiently. Um, Tyler Wall had a lot of tough shots that he – just didn't put in the basket. Steven Crowell, same thing. Um, but, Jake, what did you see from when you picked up this game uh, that stood out to you?
2: So when I started watching this game, um, we were up by 10, and then they started going on a run and cut the game, and we were making a bunch of three. Right after the
1: technical foul.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I came in right around that time. Um, then Ilver, uh, hit a hit a three, yep. and then he took a couple threes. And, you know – People want to complain about the offense, and rightfully so. Well, they did not finish, but I will say them running the offense and getting good shots, that part of it made me feel good because I thought I actually thought we got some good open looks. You know, you're that's talking about point. if you're wide open, you got to make them. Yeah, I fair. thought we got a lot of good looks. Um, even that's if fair. it is a, a post up and it's it's Tyler Wall, you know, posting up, I expect him to make that kind of play because that's the respect I have for his game. So those Dude's shots are gonna start ball. falling. But I'll say, but the defense—if that defense can stay at that level—I'll uh, say. I saw a tweet today, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I agree with it. It said the Badgers have very big 11 seed in the Sweet 16 vibes, and I could see it. I really could, uh, because they don't win pretty; they win ugly, they win gritty, and you think that the the luck is gonna gonna run out. But these team, these guys. They, they have heart, they have soul, and they, they go take that win, right? Oh, yeah, uh, That's the thing that I see. I don't see luck. They, uh, they either they make think, or miss, right? Yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, the Badgers are playing phenomenal defense. And Max Klezman, his feel for the game, I'm not just talking on offense, on defense as well. Like, you saw him come from out of bounds and jump a passing lane when he yes, was overplaying. You, you saw him go get loose balls. I mean – He's one of those guys where you're just like he's always he he always makes the play because he's always around the ball. He's one of those mm.
1: guys. He had another steal too, um, and Acigen did this once too, uh, where he's um, behind a def- he's behind a post up, uh, just outside the block, and as the entry pass comes in and a bounce pass, they get that left hand around and poke away that bounce pass and go get a steal. Acigen and Klesman both did it. Um, Matt brought up that they the Badgers had five fouls called on us before Dayton was called for a single one in the second half. That was annoying, honestly, because that, like, the, when the Badgers got two consecutive foul calls on the same possession, one of them was for Tyler Wall being, like, kind of pushed out of bounds, like, right around half court as he's trying to get around the corner. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was on Stephen Crowell, who was definitely fouled. Like, Holmes had his had his hand in the cookie jar, and then he's, like, trying to call for a travel. Like, dude – Your arm was in between Crowell's arm and his body. Like, that's a reach in foul. Like, I don't really know why you're complaining about that. But then Dayton's coach is just going nuts and he gets teed up. And then Dayton goes on a run. So I guess it did what it was intended to do as far as Dayton is concerned. But the fact that they were complaining about those foul calls, which were definitely fouls, was, like you said, interesting, I guess, is the way to put it. But. Um, I'm not going to read too much into that kind of stuff.
2: I'm not going to sit here and, you know, be like, oh, they were trying to make it a close game because we were missing shots. So they weren't trying to make it a close game. They can't control if we're making or missing.
1: Right. And, I mean, Kobe Elvis had a pretty good stretch where he was making some tough shots. Yes, fadeaway. Um, The one fadeaway that he made over Seijian was – that was a tough shot. Do You you tip your cap on that. That was tough to make that shot. I agree. Um, So, I mean – Is there anything else you want to throw out there about this game? I mean, all things considered, with this being the only Badger game we had between last week and today, um, you know, I've seen too much corruption historically not to be skeptical. I mean, I don't think it was anything that was egregious. Um, As far as missed calls go, I do think think it was. Matt, we're not talking politics, buddy. (laughs) Was it? <laughs> you want to talk corruption? <laughs> was it Gilmore that got called for the blocking foul when he kind of had his heels like right outside the restricted circle? Ah, uh, I cannot recall, and I'm not going to. I say don't remember clear. which which guy it was. I don't remember if it was Gilmore or Ilver. It might have been Clasmet or e. CJ too. Um, had his heels like just outside the the restricted circle. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like a missed call. It's not. I didn't see anything controversial. As yeah. far as follows go, that's what I'll say with that. Um, Matt, actually, it it can. It does. Uh, Matt said, this game doesn't really matter. Big picture, though, it can actually. I was listening in the first of the one one winning season tournaments and winning national championships. Um, I think it was something like nine of the champions have have won an early season tournament. So it, it can correlate. Um, and I, you know, beating a number 24 ranked team is, is nice. Um, I don't know if it's going to get Wisconsin ranked and I don't know that it really should. Um, we'll see how, we'll see how tomorrow goes, but this game specifically to play defense the way that they did, like I'm, I'm thrilled with it. So, Um, looking at what's next in this tournament, they play tomorrow at noon against Kansas, which is weird because it's like the highest like rankings of games, but that's the first game being played, which is kind of weird. You'd think you'd want that one to be more, a little more prime time, but whatever. That's just me. Um, and then if they win tomorrow, they will play in the championship at 11 o'clock on Friday, which also weird. Um, And if they lose, they will play in the third-place game Friday at 1.30. Can I answer that, what
2: Matt said real quick? Momentum is a real thing, especially in Mm. sports. And this could be a momentum game where it makes people start Mm. to believe, like, all right, next shot, next shot I get like that I'm going to make, or, you know, we're going to continue to play tough defense. This could be a game that could springboard them into high rankings. That's all I'm going to say. Sure. Having to play on I Thanksgiving I hate. Dude, yeah, they're in the Bahamas. I don't feel bad for them at all. <laughs> and they're getting school paid for. <laughs> I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> well, most of them, I guess. Um,
1: yeah, they're in the Bahamas, yeah. I, I see mean, all those I little love kids there. The I was
2: like, Man, I want you I want your parents to be my parents because they got some money, boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter in the conference, but it could matter. At the end of the year, it could matter next week's rankings. If they get a chance, okay, let me put it to you this way. Let's say let's say the Badgers beat Kansas tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And they're on the bubble at the end of the season, and you're looking at which teams have key wins, signature wins, signature losses, and the Badgers have a big number three Kansas in their win column, that could make a difference.
2: Hey, don't sleep on Dayton. They're picked to win their conference too. So that, that could also go into a key win. They win their yeah. they win their conference and they get into the tournament, say it's like a, a four seed or three seed. We don't know how good they're going to be, but, you know, we're playing, we're playing, you know, predict the future, right? So right. If, if they all of a sudden just go on a run and they get hot and they're, you know, they're a three seed, that could be a key win too with us on the bubble, sure. you know, and, yeah. you know, to, to switch to college football real quick, um, you know, they're going to have to vote on the playoffs here after this weekend. And, you know, the word on Michigan is they have a really weak non-conference schedule. So that's definitely going to be something that they bring into consideration when they talk about, you know, the uh, should they be above a USC or should they be above a LSU who probably played, you know, some heavy hitters. They play heavy hitters all year because SEC is really good at football. But, you know, that non-conference stuff does matter. Look at the Badgers last yeah. year when they, they got a big win over Houston.
1: That's a good point, too. Um. Is there anything else besides the fact the Badgers play Wake Forest next Tuesday night? That'll be the only other game between now and next Wednesday. So we'll have three games for sure for the Badgers, two more coming in the next two days, and then Tuesday night. Is there anything else you want to throw out about the Badgers?
2: No, but I always look forward to the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That's fun.
1: All right. So we got a little bit of baseball to talk about today and it is a trade that i predicted oh a good while ago it was pretty early after the season ended that i was on the hunter renfro's probably going to get traded train mm-hmm. um and i still am on the tyron taylor should be traded train especially with the brewers adding a an outfielder on a one year deal today um <laughs> who i will look into more and he'll probably be more part of the preview um uh, the brewers primer mm-hmm. in the spring but looking at the renfro trade I mean, we've previously discussed this. There's reasons I think Renfro was traded, to first, to save money, second, to get playing time and at-bats for Sal Frelick, Joey Weimer, Estereo Ruiz, to get them in the majors. Um, I'd like to see all of them at once. Signing an outfielder today makes me think that's not quite going to happen. Uh, it could be Estereo Ruiz because he's already played in the majors. He's on the 40-man roster. It could be Estereo Ruiz right away. Um, If they do find a suitor for Tyrone Taylor, then I think Sal Frelick is the next man up. And he is the one that I want to see in the majors the most because I think he's got the most to offer. Um, That said, Brew's got three pitchers in this deal. Uh, They're all 26 or younger. And I saw so much complaining on the return for Hunter Renfro based on the pitchers have high ERAs. One of the guys hasn't made it out of AAA yet. Um, that's not enough to get in return for Hunter Renfro, which a guy who is in his early thirties on a one year deal left, you know, one year of arbitration left when we're looking at Willie Adamas, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns all being due raises in arbitration. Um, it's not really that surprising of a move. Um, Renfro getting traded can be explained, but the minor leaguer they signed on a major league deal is confusing when it felt like they were clearing the way for youth movement. What I've, what I really just saw like in 15 minutes that I saw it before the show is that he can be sent down. So he's pretty much just a, a flyer. Um, and he's on a one year deal. So it's not anything like, um, you know, they're putting him in the plans of the future or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, he might even just be there to make the guys, the young guys feel like they have some competition, honestly, you know, that's just a potential narrative to throw out there. I have nothing to support that because there's so little out about um, Blake Perkins, but um, looking at the three guys, they got um, Jensen junk. They got, Hey, yeah, I know. So I a lot of people that, Oh, they literally got junk. Like it's annoying, but yeah. he throws for strikeouts. So he's throwing junk out there. Um And dudes are swinging at it, so he's got that going for him. (laughs) they got another guy. His name is Piguero. I forgot what his first name is. And then Seminaris, who is basically Brent Suter 2.0. So Junk is 26. He was LA's number 16 prospect. He comes in as the Brewers' number 14 prospect. He's their fourth pitcher overall in their prospects. Um, He throws four pitches. He throws a slider, a fastball, curveball, and a changeup. He locates them all well, but the slider and fastball are his most used pitches. Um, Matt is <laughs> Matt said is a weird that Suter getting released is still the move that pissed me off the most. I mean, it's not. That's not a bad thing to be mad at. I mean, he was a fun guy to have around. Yeah, he uh, was a great but, guy.
2: Yeah, even, but, even if he wasn't a transcendent player, he was a great right. guy.
1: Um, I. This is gonna sound mean, but I don't think he's worth three million dollars. I can see that. I'm not mad at that. Yeah, I love Brent Suter, but unfortunately, he's not worth $3 million. Okay, so back to Jensen Junk. His slider is nasty, bro. He throws like an 82, 83 mile an hour slider. Mm -hmm. It is um, 2.4 inches above average on horizontal break. Wow. So, dude, slider, it breaks. I can't remember exactly how many inches it breaks. Um, 69. No, it doesn't break that much. But it's like <laughs> it's like 10.5 inches of horizontal break, so it's moving almost a foot. Um. So, he throws a nasty slider. He throws it 45% of the time, he th- so his slider isn't chunked. I mean, it depends if it's in or out of the strike zone. I mean, he throws a lot of them low and away, and dudes just wave at it. Um, I don't know. Take the context how you will, <laughs> but he throws the slider forty-five percent of the time, fastball forty-three percent of the time. So actually uses his slider more than his fastball. Um, averages twenty-two percent whiff on his sliders. That's pretty high percent. That's yeah, and almost 15% one of those. More. right, and fifteen percent whiff on his fastball. Doesn't that's throw the curveball or change that much, but his curveball, he does also get a 14% whiff on that as well. Hmm. So, dude's got good stuff. He's 26. You put him in the Brewers pitching lab. I mean, you put it in the fact that he gets ground balls when dudes do actually make contact on him. I'm really looking at a pretty good pitcher, honestly. You put him in the Brewers pitching lab. I think that's actually a, a pretty solid guy to get back. He's probably going to start the, le- the year on the opening day roster. Um, I don't think it's gonna be on the rotation just because the Brewers have a pretty stable rotation and they're gonna need some help in the bullpen, um, yeah. which is where I think Figueroa could factor in. He's 25, he's a reliever, he's another fastball slider guy. His fastball average miles an hour, 96. Oh shit. His fat his slider average, this is his average slider velocity, is 91. Oh wow. <laughs> For contract, pretty- junk's slider is 82, 83. Pigaro throws his at 91 on average.
2: Yikes. <laughs> That's
1: the dude that has a high ERA. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I was arguing with this one guy. I'm like, dude, you gotta get beyond ERA. There are better metrics for determining what makes it so that a, p- a pitcher can be potentially good or not. And then you put him in the brewer's pitching lab. I'm like, if you're only looking at ERA. That tells me that you're probably one of those people that wanted Corbin Burns traded in 2019.
2: So, right. For real.
1: <laughs> so, Figueroa's got the stuff. It'll just be up to the Brewers pitching lab to get it out of him. Um, and then looking at Seminaris, he was a fifth-round pick in 2020. He throws four or five different pitches. He's, like I said, very similar from to similar to Brent Suter, um, and he's probably the farthest away from the major leagues. But at the end of the day, trading Hunter Renfro – is like Matt Arnold said uh, trading from a position of strength. Uh, they said it's not a salary dump, but it's potentially clearing salary space for mm-hmm. the guys that are due raises in arbitration, which Corbin Burns figures to be um, estimated around 12 million. I saw from spot track and Brandon Woodruff's probably not far behind. And then I saw Willie Adams was estimated a little over 9 million for this season. So those two are, those three are all getting raises this year in arbitration. Um, that's, that's pretty much what we're looking at. So um, Colton Wong is rumored to be a guy that could be getting traded. Um, The Mariners are checking in on him. Um, So we'll see that could be another way to potentially clear another 10 million. Um, Matt said, yeah, people get way too hung up on, on reliever ERA too. haters ERA. Yep. Um, It's, it's a thing too. And this, this can affect relievers and starters, more middle relief, but leaving guys on base, and then the next guy comes in and gives up, say, a double with the bases loaded. But all three of those earned runs go on the guy ahead of him, even though the guy that came in to replace you is the one that actually gave up the hit that scored the runs. Yeah. So stuff like, that, stuff like that can skew ERA. Like I said, with, with the analytics in baseball, there are so many different metrics you can use to determine whether or not a pitcher has the potential to be successful mm-hmm. than just ERA. Uh, wins and losses is another one that should just be tossed up. Um, it, sh- it shouldn't even be a track stat for pitchers. But Or quarterbacks. but Or, yeah, or quarterbacks. I've fucking beaten the shit out of that drum, too. Um, is there anything you want to say about the Hunter Renfro trade? I know he was kind of your guy. Um, I'll toss out one more thing if you don't say it. No, you go ahead. T- toss it out. Toss it out. I'm going to let you get everything out. All right. Last thing I want to say. If losing Hunter Renfro was that important to you, like so much so that it made you sad or made you think the Brewers aren't trying to win or made you angry or whatever, go watch some Joey Weimer highlights. Joey Weimer, I'm going to call him baby Renfro because he's basically the same guy, just seven-ish years younger. Dude's got a good arm in right field. He hits for power. He's got hair flow. He's got everything. That Hunter Renfro has, he's just in a younger version. So if if losing Hunter Renfro makes you sad, go watch some Joey Weimer highlights on YouTube and feel better. Don't be sad, get glad. All right. Well, I was just going to say, you know,
2: we talk about this kind of scenario a lot on this show of kind of let the dust settle. I guess mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to mm-hmm. say, you know, like when, you know, the Packers get off to a bad start or, you know, the Bucks are shooting bad in the first half. Like we tell people to watch the whole game, right? right. Well, with trades, I want people to wait. And I know yep. this is this is hard. I want people to wait to see how the players are on the new team. Yep. Because, you know, like, like I told you before, um, not on camera, but off camera, um, I told you before that, you know, a change of scenery can be a good thing for a player. So who who doesn't say that junk comes in here and he just starts fucking striking out people left and right, man? Uh-huh. Right? Like we don't know. Who do, who knows that you know your boy? You bet you've been on the South Florida train for a long time now. Uh-huh. Who says he doesn't come up here and just turns into freaking Bryce Harper, man? We don't know. Is he gonna is he gonna hit two eighty and and hit thirty
1: homers? We don't fucking know. We don't know. And I'm not going to gonna lie to you, game. it probably makes me think of Bryce Harper, but I'm not going to make that comparison yet until he starts playing in the majors, but it um, makes me think of him.
2: All I'm going to say is, settle down. There's no need in wasting your energy and bitching and complaining anyways. It just is really, really disappointing and stressful and all these other verbs and adjectives describing words. Um... To, to see nothing but complaining every time mm. one of my teams makes a move. Every time the Packers pick up somebody, I see 100 to 200 sarcastic comments on every post. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, people. They have to make moves. Right. Other teams are making moves, too. Right? These are, these are the under-the-table moves that we're hearing about. Yep. But because there's so many Packer creators, content creators, we're yep. hearing about them. And that's not a bad thing. Right. Just like when they picked up uh this latest linebacker from the Rams, it's like all I saw on the post was just like, Oh, this is gonna save the season. But Jesus Christ, and just don't watch the goddamn game on Sunday then. Yeah. Cause I'm sick and tired of watching you guys bitch. Just you know, and then they, they trade Renfro and and you tell me about it, and all of a sudden I'm I'm jumping on all the social medias and I'm reading and I'm reading, and I'm like,
1: everybody's negative, and it's so yeah. fucking annoying, dude. I posed the question to a few people because I saw a lot of, "Oh, we're waiting for prospects to pan out. How has that worked out in the past?" Well, for example, the past four years, they've traded all their prospects trying to contend in the playoffs. So, really? sorry that they haven't had guys up because they've been trading them for Mike Boustakis and, um, really? and for Jonathan Scope and for picking up Yasmani Grandal and trading, you know, trading for players. Um, Matt said bringing back Jeronimo Allison will actually save the season. <laughs>
3: okay.
1: I know
2: hey. we're not big on negativity, but if he t- if he takes walk in snaps, nothing against walk in. Sammy Watkins can be a-, a phenomenal human being. He's just not a phenomenal football player anymore. Yeah, him and Rogers for some reason they're just not on the same page. Yeah. They're just not. It could be Rogers. It could be Sammy Watkins on some plays. Could be Lafleur calling a bad play for a certain player sometimes. Whatever it is, Sammy Watkins and Aaron Rodgers play. don't go together. Yeah. That happens. It's okay. Yep. Geronimo Allison does get along with Aaron Rodgers, and he will have that camaraderie and know where to be on certain plays. Sure. And shit. So I would be okay with Geronimo Allison taking Sammy Walken snaps. That's the only yeah. thing. Not saying um, he'll save the season, but. Yeah.
1: So the thing with people being like, oh, we're going to wait for prospects, it's like, do you. Like, eventually, you got to call up prospects. You can't just leave them in AAA. Like, you got to find out who's major league ready and who's not. Um, and for for players to have previously not been major league ready doesn't mean that the guys that they're going to call up aren't major league ready. That makes no sense to me that people are like, oh, Lewis Brinson and, and Corey Ray were so great. I don't give a shit. Those guys are those guys are those guys. These guys are these guys. Right. Completely different players, like, Eventually, you have to fill in with prospects. That's what the Brewers did in in 2018, 19, 20. They were bringing up pitching prospects. They were bringing along Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff was first, and then Burns and Peralta after that. Burns and Peralta both pitched out of the bullpen for a little while. And then they were full-time starters. And now they're both all-stars. Corbin Burns has a Cy Young Award. Like, you, you have to find out what you have in your prospects, especially the ones that are performing well. So that was a big complaint that I saw was, oh, we're betting on, on prospects. We traded one of our best hitters. It's like, listen, this is, the, this is the hypothetical I posed. People are, oh, Churio's moving up the ranks. He's going to be on the 2024 opening day roster, bet money. Seeing so many people being like, oh, prospects don't work out. They never work out we're betting on prospects because the brewers don't want to pay for proven players and again, they bring up the Hunter Renfro as a free agent draft for the next season. The other thing is let's just just say just picture with us for a second. Mitchell who's already I have him penned in as the opening day starting center fielder. Say they bring up Mitchell, say they bring up Ruiz, um and Frelick Let's just start with those three. I won't. I won't. I'll leave Weimer out of it. Say they start with Mitchell, Ruiz, and Frelick to play center field and right field, and Perkins is just a mix in, whatever. What if all of them hit at the same time? What if all of our prospects hit at the same time, and the Brewers are a dynasty for the next five years? I'm rolling the same dice as as you are on Twitter by saying that they're not going to pan out.
2: We could switch this to hockey. Look at look at the Chicago Blackhawks a few years ago when they were a young up and coming team and they won the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, I mean, I know they kind of flamed out, but everybody thought they were about to run NHL for the next ten years. Yeah, with Patrick Kane and company, you know, like yep. that wow. that can happen. It happens in sports.
1: It happens. Yeah. Um, Bill said a lot of players or a lot of people forget that prospects turn into our core players, and that's what I said to somebody, and I'm like. Um, he's like, oh, the Brewers haven't developed any prospects. And I'm like, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Devin Williams proved that to be false. And he's like, well, how many World Series have they won? And I'm like, that's, that's really the comeback that you have for that. And you're that's only all he had left. Only, that's all he exactly, had left. That's the only thing. Like, only successes is, is rings. That's what it comes back to. When negative people have nothing left to complain about, it's all well, they don't have a ring. Dude. That's all they come back to. That's the same thing they're doing with the Packers. Oh, Rodgers only has one wing. He's got four MVPs. Does that mean that his career is a waste? Like you can, you can do these things and you can say, sure, this could have been different or that could have been different. But if the only way you ever find success is if you win a championship, you will be a miserable fucking person. You will be a miserable sports fan. If the only way you find success is if your team wins a ring. And I'm like, this is this is what I said back. I'm like, so you're telling me that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are essentially worthless because they have no ring. Bro. I guarantee you angels fans are having fun watching those two play but they don't have a ring. Are their careers worthless? bro. You can name no how many you to be able to find positive takeaways from shit without it ending in a championship. The NFL, 31 teams don't win a championship every year. The NBA, Major League Baseball, 29 teams don't win a championship every year. Should all of those people be fucking miserable because their teams didn't win a championship? No. Come watch our show. We'll find you positive takeaways even if your teams go 0-17 or 0-182 or 0-162. We'll find stuff to be positive about. It's not hard. We, we, Jake and I adopted this mindset. It's not hard to find positive takeaways. All you have to do is look for them and not get brainwashed by social media where everybody wants to fucking complain just to have people agree with them about their complaining. Yeah. That's what it is. It's validation. People want that validation so bad they will complain on social media just because they know other people will be there to complain. It's fucking poisonous in our fan bases how bad it is, too. It is. Graham Mertz is the the A1 example that I would give you for how poisonous Wisconsin fan bases have gotten when things aren't going well. It's disgusting, honestly. You want to flip the script?
2: <laughs> talk about a guy that used to get talked down on and he plays for the Bucks. Chris Middleton, and mm. then we won a title. Because it's only about winning titles, right? So as soon as we won a title, apparently Chris Middleton is just good all the time now. Now, I'll be honest, I used to dog Middleton a lot. I a lot. I won't lie, I won't hide from it. Tyler used to be like, dude, what are you looking at? I'd be like, bro, I just I kind of hate him. You know, I still have not gotten over that Toronto series. A little bit of my heart has not gotten over that. But now that I look at it from a different light and we've adopted this mindset like you've talked about, I don't I don't nitpick shit little shit that I did with Middleton anymore. Yeah. Like shot attempts and sometimes you're forced into those shots, you know? Right. But yeah, fucking Graham Mertz, dude. Jesus, that guy. If he threw like and he's done this, if he throws for five touchdowns on Saturday, <laughs> people will still find
1: a way to complain oh, about him. He never wins big crazy. games or whatever. That's what it'll be. Um, so Bill said, same things are ripping into the pitchers we got for Renfro. Let us work with them. We've done pretty well keeping our bullpen stocked. Um, Bill, I'm not sure if you missed, like I, I kind of went through the pitchers a little bit. Um, you can rewatch it later and, and get a little bit more information on them, but exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, putting some of these guys in the Brewers pitching lab and finding out what happens with them, like absolutely like give me three flyers on guys that have good stuff in exchange for $11 million in savings and, you know, for a guy who was going to be a free agent the next season. See, Matt, you just proved my point. Matt
2: literally just proved my fucking point. He will not talk about him because of that one title run. What if we would have came up short Uh and he was still making shots? You going to talk bad about him now because he doesn't have a ring? Think about that. Because I guarantee people would. But he didn't win the ring.
1: But he was still making shots. Yep. And I like I recognize that earlier in his Bucks tenure, he was inconsistent, and he still is at times. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is he's he's the Bucks closer. He's the Bucks number one closer. Oh, and he the, and he spaces
2: the floor, and he yes.
1: he's a big body, plays and, defense, can guard multiple positions. Right. When you need a bucket, when you need a bucket, you go to Chris Middleton. Yes. Um, I'm just saying that run makes it impossible. <laughs> I've Matt. I've always been a Chris Middleton guy. Um, and I, I dealt with it with Jake and a couple of guys that I used to work with. I was, um, that were Chris Middleton haters. And I'm like, you like, he's got all the stuff. Like, if he gets consistent, he's going to be an all star. And then, ta da, he's an all star. Bro, um, Toronto. Yeah, Tim, to I get it. I've, I've blocked a lot of people just because they're just blatantly pessimistic. And it's, it's awful. Like, it's just, all it does is just take your energy away. Um, it's okay, Bill. We forgive you for missing a little bit of the beginning of the show. I won't hold it against you. (laughs) You're here now. That's the important part. Yes. Hey, I gotta say for everybody that watches this show and follows our page, I am so fucking proud when we make a post and one person says something negative and that negative person gets ratioed by positive people. I fucking love it. Oh, that makes me so happy. So Bill, I know you've done it. Uh, Matt and Tim, you guys have been watching the show for a long time. When people ratio negative people on our posts, I love it at all. Oh, it makes me proud. It makes me happy. It makes me feel like we're doing good stuff. So I appreciate everybody that does that. It makes me feel good. And all right. We're not in La
2: La Land, right? When, right? when I watch games, I get pissed off too, okay? You're allowed to still have emotions. But right. I want you to digest everything and not just shoot from the hip. Right. And trust me, I'm I'm a shoot from the hip guy, especially when it comes the to the knee jerk reaction. Time. But um let the game happen. Take a take a few hours, think about things that happened in the game because you're gonna tweet something or post something on Facebook or whatever you're gonna do during the game, and then you know, say the ba- the Packers, you know, when they were down by the Cowboys by 14 points, like, oh, this this Packer team's terrible. They came back and won. You know, Watson looks yeah, phenomenal, Rodgers look good. Now you look like an idiot. Yeah. Could, but then you're going to be like, no, but at that time, they look bad. Well, then let the whole game play.
1: It makes you oh, sound like, like a whiner it. when you do stuff like that. Exactly. Um, the Badgers-Nebraska game is another perfect example of, of yeah. whining before the game is over or complaining, you know, in the fourth quarter even before the game is over. Um Bill said he bought a 75 inch TV so he could see what he was getting pissed at. <laughs> Bro, That's I have awesome. a 65 inch and I sit right next to that song, bitch, on Sundays. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so mad at you right now. Matt said he's a newer fan, so he missed the development years, admittedly. Jake and I did not miss the development years. Jake and I went Welcome. to this game together. This is a red and green Giannis bobblehead. There it is, baby. Jake and I did not miss the, the development years. Oh. Man, we went through the – we went through the 15-win season. We went through the Bucks even. having the
2: worst record. Yeah. And we get uh, – Losing get by Jabari 50 Parker. in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, God. I remember I remember celebrating that one win against the
1: Bulls. Because
2: they got a the puzzle year. <laughs>
1: yeah. Jared
2: Davis? Yeah, I remember Jared that. all that
1: man They went to Jared. Um yeah, and Matt, really, it's hard to not react immediately in this immediate reaction world, and that's that's a really fair point. I actually said this to Jake the other day. Um, when it comes to wanting players traded or coaches fired or players kept or players traded for or, or anything like that, um, it seems that a lot of people don't want to get better. They just want to automatically be better. That's why it's a new coach, a new coordinator, a new player, a new quarterback. We need to do this one thing, and then we'll be right back to contending for championships. And nobody wants to actually, like, go through the grind a little bit. Like, we went through the grind with the Bucks. That's what made winning a championship feel worth it. That's what made it feel like a load off the shoulders. That's what made it feel good. Oh, like. It's what makes that stuff feel worth it is, is going through the grind and getting there. Like, obviously I get that. We don't want to go through a five-year rebuild with the Brewers. And I don't think the trading Hunter Renfro means that the ownership doesn't care about winning. It's one guy who's a free agent at the end of next season. If I trade Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, different, different scenario, completely different scenario. But the way that it appears on paper is that they're getting rid of guys not getting rid of. That's kind of harsh because I appreciate those guys, but they're trading guys. So, they can keep other guys who are more important. Um,
2: But the mighty dollar.
1: Sometimes can't get butter when people make some statements. Truth hurts sometimes. I agree, there's a lot of dumbasses out there. Yeah, and that's true. And at the end of the day, if it comes down to if you're in a position where you feel like you want to say something super negative and knee jerk reaction and be super harsh about it. Remember at the end of the day that athletes are people. And not to mention only that, but Graham Mertz, for example, like we're going to get into the Badger game now. Graham Mertz is a college kid. He's not Aaron Rodgers who's in his late 30s and he's got some some thicker skin from being around the block a couple times. Graham Mertz is in college. So, yeah. Bill said team control on player contracts is huge in a small market. And that's that's totally true. Um, and that's why I said, you know, if if say Frelick, Ruiz, and Mitchell and Weimer all hit at the same time, and then you mix in a guy like Robert Gosser and the Brewers move on from an Eric Lauer and they retain Willie Adamas and Bryce Durang does his thing, like the Brewers could be good for a long time if all those guys hit at the same time. You can say what if all these guys suck, but I can say just as easily, what if they all turn into all stars? True that. It's just as easy. All it is is a simple change of mindset. So let's talk about this Badger game. Let's start with our three stars. I think we're going to have some overlap, and it's going to be a lot about the defense. This game turned into a ground-and-pound game real quick with the wind, which didn't seem like it was affecting stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's like, shit, like the wind is affecting stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the wind like, isn't that bad. It's that bad. It's it's horrible out there. <laughs> Matt said, what if Yelich and Adamas click at the same time, too? Exactly. I mean, that's that's a perfect example, too, is what if those guys are doing well at the same time. Um, and then you got seven, eight, nine dudes that are speedy and get on base right before those two. And for all those people that are going
2: to be like, you're seeing a lot of what ifs. Well, the hell so do you think yeah. the GMs are doing?
1: <laughs> They're doing a lot you're, of what ifs, too. You're just throwing just as many what ifs out there by saying what if these guys all suck.
2: Exactly. So for three stars, there's one guy that I did not put on there because that's your boy. So yeah, I actually, he's my number I actually one. only have only have one defensive guy. But just know that there's two defensive guys that definitely deserve to be on here. So three stars. My first one, I went with, with uh Ches Malusi. Um Chesmalusi was he was pretty damn good, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um Sparing the, they seemed often injured. Braylon Allen. I have some more on him. He's on my list later. Um, but twenty one carries for ninety eight yards, four point seven yards average. I mean, in a game where you said right, we weren't throwing the ball well. The wind was crazy, and they knew we were running for for us to have two running backs close to five yards per carry. That tells me that the defense was playing really, really well,
1: and one over too. or
2: offensive line. I mean, too.
1: Um, um Pat, real quick. Brewers need to have hitting for average. Sal Frelick, Asterio Ruiz, Garrett Mitchell are average on-base guys. Um, and low strikeouts, too, except for Garrett Mitchell, who's a little bit higher strikeout. But um, Frelick is – he's the real deal. All right, so I'm just going to go – I'm going to skip to my number two real quick just because I have the running back room. So I will let you talk about the rest of them. I just have all of them as a whole, but I will let you talk about what you're going to talk about. Um Oh, stick with me, Bill. Bill's getting ahead of me. Stick with me, Bill. I'm coming to him. My number one, though, is is CJ Getz, because I've been I've been watching him like four weeks in a row now get better and better and better and better. He went from underrated performer to now he's my number one star. He had seven tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss and a pass defense. He has grown exponentially over the last four weeks, and I'm loving what I'm seeing from CJ Getz. He gets gold star, number one star. CJ gets is my number one guy. Yeah, he was. That's the guy I kept off because I know that's your boy.
2: I was like, yeah, I can't touch this guy. He's. Phenomenal. I
1: I got to him early. <laughs>
2: so my next guy I have is Braylon Allen. Um, he had 18 carries for 92 yards, 5.1 average, a 22 yard long. The reason that I put him on the list, no, he didn't have a crazy game, but with him being banged up and still running hard and still not shying away from contact. I mean, most of the game. I mean, that was a gutty performance. So Mertz has some huge, huge. Yeah, he did. Um, I will say this: Braylon Allen. He he was a leader on Saturday. Mm. Uh, a lot of that win, I think, deserves and, and goes to him because a lot of times you see him rallying the guys in the huddle, like "Let's go, let's go." On the sidelines, "Let's go, let's go." Let's do this. Stay
1: together, stay together. And uh, Braylon Allen has been phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's a really good. A really good thing to bring up um i mentioned that i have the running back room as my second one i'm gonna skip down to number three my number three is graham mertz um bill no you are not wrong for thinking graham mertz for, should get a star for holding things together on the last drive um he did put some together some good throws and i mentioned the wind because it not only affected the one missed field goal but it did also affect graham mertz's interception um he underthrew the ball i will say on that interception it looked like he had time that he could have set his feet instead of trying to throw that ball on the run. And he maybe would have got a little bit more under it, but you know, I do think the wind is a factor on the interception. I'm not saying that, you know, it shouldn't count against him because it was windy. Um, But we did find out that it was windy and the wind was affecting the ball and this turned into a run heavy game. But like you guys said, holding things together on the last drive. And like Matt said, some huge pearls with the quarterback sneak from the two yard line. Even RG three was shook. He's like, I can't believe they ran that from that far away from the goal line. Like, I don't know if it was just a burrito affecting quarterback him. Quarterback sneak. <laughs> yeah, that was weird too. That was weird. He's eating a burrito. And Dude, the,
2: like you could tell how big that burrito was because he put he, and he's a quarterback, so you know he has big hands, right? Right. When he grabbed that thing,
1: I was like, bro, that looks like a football in his hands. <laughs> it's a massive burrito. So. Oh. Two touchdowns for Graham Mertz, one passing, one running. And this ties into the other guy in the running back room, Isaac Garendo, to make that 27-yard catch that put them on the doorstep. That was fantastic throw and catch. And not only that, but Graham Mertz was a victim of some drops um, and one pass that Skyler Bell caught but didn't get his toes down. Mm -hmm. Um, Chimery DK had two drops Bell had one and Lewis had one I think Um, if all those balls are caught Graham Mertz finishes with 12 of 18 which is a 67% completion percentage which is very very respectable and an additional touchdown And we're talking about Graham Mertz having two touchdowns a rushing touchdown and one interception Mm -hmm. if all the dropped balls are caught we're having a much different conversation and Graham Mertz is going to be the number one star
2: and I will say on that interception, um, like you said, after I saw the field goal, I was like, all right, this that wind is – it's real. It's and all the people, like, get mad at him for his decision-making, and I understand that. He mm-hmm. actually had a guy wide open on that play.
1: It was the right decision. It was so just like was I like think he had time to pick. set his feet and throw. But It was
2: just – it's the elements, and that's going to happen, especially when you're right. playing the Midwest. It it's is football. what it is.
1: It was football.
2: Yeah. Um. You, I'm gonna give my last star real quick here. Yeah, so, do it. My last one, Injag Meta. I've kind of got on his train a little bit, and he's really, really developed into a nice middle linebacker man. Yeah. Um. First of all, I wanted to really learn this guy's name because it just—it just looks like alphabet soup.
1: <laughs> his first name is tough.
2: <laughs> um. So you know he had five total tackles, four solo, a sack, two and a half tackles for loss, and two quarterback hurries. So to say this guy didn't didn't put his stamp on the game is ridiculous. Um but he was he was very very good. I do have a stat about the defense. Do you want me to give it right now or wait till we talk about defense?
1: I was just going to throw one more thing out there. Um meadow yeah, was my underrated performer. He was the Badgers best tackler in the first half of this game. Is what I wanted yeah. to throw out with. Him. So. Um Did you did you have an underrated performer at all?
2: No because it was just going to be redundant stuff about the defense sure. but Jordan you know, the, defense, the defense has been doing their damn thing, man. The last probably month, I would say, mm. they've been doing. All right, short... give me your
1: stat about the defense. Let's talk about it.
2: So I actually got this off of the Wisconsin Badgers Facebook page. Um, mm. The Badgers have held opponents under 200 yards in three straight Big Ten games for the first time this century. Yeah, under 200 wow. yards. That's pretty damn good. Damn. Dude, when you look at the stats of this game, it absolutely makes zero sense that we won this game by one point. This is this is one of those games where stats are misleading.
1: Yeah. Obviously the Iowa game is too, it's just not in our favor.
2: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Um so Badgers got a really good stop after scoring a touchdown. (laughs) Don't know, didn't know that. Yeah. Third and seven. Third and seven in the red zone, two missed tackles, leads Nebraska to a touchdown instead of field goal. That would have made this a different margin of victory as well. Um Keanu Benton was also off to a really good start in this game. Keanu Benton, he's basically the Kenny Clark of the Badgers. That's that's basically what I've begun to identify him as. <sighs> The Nick Herbig targeting call, like we have to talk about it. It just annoys the fuck out of me that we have to talk about it. And what annoys me more about it is that he made helmet to helmet contact, mm-hmm. which is which is is what it is. Yep. And I'm totally fine with the 15 the 15-yard 15 flag for it because he was sliding.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But targeting is supposed to be for launching. And it's like the NBA's flagrant 2 foul. it's supposed to be unnecessary or excessive.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Or like the launching upwards, like all of that. Or the, you know, that's all, that's what that stuff is supposed to be. That did not look excessive or unnecessary to me. It just ended up being a helmet-to-helmet hit, like an inadvertent type thing. That's where, like I said, I'm fine with the 15-yard penalty because he did make the contact. But there is nothing egregious about that to me that deserves a penalty. And then you go to last week, and Isaac Garendo is going down, gets helmet to helmet hit by Campbell of Iowa. Not even a flag, no targeting, fucking nothing. But Herbig gets targeting and ejected for that. And now has to sit out the first half of the Minnesota game. And yes, getting ejected, getting a flag after the touchdown celebration was just a bad, just a bad thing. Um the announcers agree that it's you know it's kind of a ticky tack thing, but that's the rule. So you just gotta be a little bit smarter than that. Just wait until he crosses the big white line and then mob him. But dude, you know, seriously, he center. has to
2: come back to the same
1: sideline as you. You
2: could have celebrated
1: over there. I get right. the excitement though.
2: Trust me, I understand it. If anybody in this world's gonna understand, you know, you know, over celebrating, it's gonna be me because I do it all the time. But <laughs> He's got it. He's got to understand as one of the leaders of this team on the defense right. as well. That you know, and that's a penalty. the fucking the helmet, the helmet thing. You know, I I was like, okay, well, technically that's the rule, but you know, thinking about the one with Campbell, it's like, think how differently that that Iowa Minnesota game goes if if he's out the first half. That
1: completely changes that football game. That because, dude led with his helmet. Oh yeah. And launched at Garendo, who was already going down,
2: and yeah, defenseless. If you want to talk about defenseless, cracked helmets. And Garendo right away was like,
1: "Yeah, I get it." That's what bothers me more about Herbig getting ejected. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Was that a week before we saw that? All right. I mean, whatever. Um, Jordan Turner made some really great tackles in this game. To with 35 seconds left. Turner made a really great tackle on first down. Um, yeah. And Bill, that's why you just listen to us because we're smart. <laughs> <laughs> I will say as far as the announcers go, the dude with RG3, I don't remember his name, calling Ches Malusi Malosi all game was really starting to annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> Like, dude, there's no O's in his name. It's Malusi. There's that's a U, not an O. It's Malusi, not Malosi. Oh, that was driving me nuts. Worst part is he touched the ball 21 times, so we didn't hear it all game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> God. All right. Anything else you want to throw about the defense?
2: Nah. I think uh I think Wisconsin defense is back. That's what I'll say. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh let's talk about offense then. Offense. So <laughs> Bill agrees with me. They – this team just makes me so mad because I see the potential there with, with with the defense sometimes. They're kind of like the Packers in a lot of ways where, like, they can add big splash plays, but then they just look lost sometimes, and it just doesn't make sense. Uh, we, I don't think we're very good at schematically getting wide receivers wide open because we have to make a lot of contested catches, and merch has to make a lot of really, really good throws, which, to credit – We've made a lot of good catches and we made a lot of good throws, but that's a really good point. That's just not a formula to to compete with big dogs. So I think if one thing has to change, you know, for the remainder of this season, for the next two games, because we're probably getting a bowl game, um, yeah. I would like to see a little bit more creativity in the route running. That's all I'm going to say. I do commend them for their toughness with sticking with it. You know, especially you know being behind a lot of this game, even though we possess mm-hmm. the ball a lot. But I don't have a lot of positive takes, but I do I do appreciate guys that don't give up and, and guys that play with heart. That I can
1: appreciate always. Yeah. Uh, I have it written in my notes, too. The, the first quarter play calling was just uninspiring. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't take any deep shots in the first quarter. They didn't run any end-of-rounds, just like last week. Um, they ran screens on third and four and third and eight. That, to me, is just kind of like you're – taking a 1-in-10 chance that it works, that you get blockers out in front of you. Yeah,
2: right? That's a second-down kind of play.
1: Right. And then if it doesn't um, work, then you come with your good play on third down. I agree with that. Right. And then we got, you know, we had the couple drops. DK and um, Bell on the second drive had a couple drops. We get the Mertz interception. And then Jake Jake Eschenbach starts getting involved a little bit. We talked about this last week. When we are talking about the middle of the field being open. You bought at the middle of the field, and we talked about not having a super big tight end pass-catching threat. Uh, they've The Badgers have run out offensive linemen as jumbo tight ends. Like That's how shallow the Badgers are on tight end with two guys being injured for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing Jake Eschenbach getting involved a little bit in this game it was encouraging. Um, get into the second half. DK should have had a touchdown. It would have been a tough catch. It was a tough catch, but ball's in your hands. you got to hold on to it. Um, he lost it going to the ground. Like That's that's gotta. That's gotta be a catch, especially if you want to play in the next level. Yeah, um, that would a phenomenal catch, too. Yeah, I do think DK is probably gonna end up coming back next year. Yeah, uh, just because I don't think his NFL prospects are gonna be beaten down the door. Um, so you know if he gets one more season to try to show some more improvement, um, I think he could be. Um, and then we're looking at potentially, Kim Ray DK. Skylar Bell and Keontas Lewis is the Badgers' three wide receivers next year, and I really like that. Um, okay. Those three, I think, have a lot of potential. Keontas Lewis is the deep threat guy. Skylar Bell's kind of doing it all because they did get an end around in the second half, finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Skylar Bell almost had a fantastic catch on third and 13, just couldn't quite get the foot down in front of um, the Nebraska bench. Yeah. So close. Oh, so close. And you know, the announcers were kind of like, you know, he'll get coached on that. They'll they'll teach him, you know, let your legs go dead. Don't try to take that next step. Um, you know, but it is what it is. Then you get the Graham Mertz to Isaac Garendo pass inside the 10 yard line with that. It's a great throw, great catch, great use of Isaac Garendo in that situation. True. So, you know, I just want to, you know, to give credit, you know, we talked about it in the first half play calling being a little uninspiring, getting Isaac Garendo behind the defense, that's, that's good stuff. Yep. Um, and then you get the the quarterback sneak for the win. That's, that's Sam Cassell, big old balls play call right there. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> um. So that, Hey, they don't ask how they ask how many Badgers get the win on the road on Nebraska senior day, just to give a little, Extra F to the U um, and to bring the trophy home again is is good. Yeah, Um, in
2: front of of their sellout crowd. (laughs) God,
1: that is so annoying. That's funny. Like I said, you you brought up sellout and then showed me a bunch of empty seats, and I'm like, that means that people would really literally rather not go watch a Nebraska game and waste their money than go watch Nebraska play football.
2: And people talk about nothing to do in Wisconsin. The fuck is there to do in Nebraska, bro?
1: Watch the corn, girl? I don't know.
2: For real. That's what I'm saying. Dude, (laughs) they (laughs) literally showed the student section. One entire section on the left of my TV was
1: empty. I'm like, how the fuck is this a sellout? (laughs) Uh, Matt said announcers have been horrible about producing names lately in all sports. Uh, People are still pronouncing Giannis's name wrong. I bet they are. Giannis Adetokounmpo. And you get yeah, you'll get all that. Watch corn grow and wind blow. That's what it is, Bill. That's it. Watch the corn blow in the wind. That's. I'm
2: not gonna go there, grow and blow. I'm not in the same sentence. I'm not going there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Children's episode. Anything (laughs) else you want to say about the Badgers in Nebraska before we talk about Badgers in Minnesota? No, I'm I'm ready for Axe Week, baby. All right, you want to talk about the Badgers' offense or defense first? Let's start with offense. All right, so I think it's <laughs> you know worth mentioning um, Chesma Lucy on the offensive side of the ball, and I'll he is going to return next year. He has got the, the extra year with the COVID year, so Chesma Lucy will be back on the Badgers. And but let's go. <laughs> let's talk about the offense. What's what's looking important to you with the Badgers' offense?
2: So I wanted to. Get the third downs under Leonard because I started tracking them a couple weeks ago and then on the season, and I wanted to correlate them together. (laughs) Man, you, I've it's been a long couple weeks, Matt.
1: (laughs) By the way, tune in for a Friday
2: night episode if you think that was bad.
1: (laughs) And we'll be live tonight too on another show. We're guesting on another show tonight too.
2: Yes, I'm waiting for that link. I asked him for it. But uh, Wisconsin offense versus Minnesota defense. We average 365 total yards, 189 pass, 176 rush, and 27.5 points per game. So third down under Leonard, we are 35 for 82. That is 42.6%. On the season, we are 42.4%. So we're tied for 28th in the country. That's not horrible. I'm okay with that. Um, like I said, I like our ability to still be able to power run. That's never been a problem at Wisconsin, but I would like a little bit more creativity with the passing game, uh, giving Mertz, you know, because – all right, now I'm going to go on a little little tiny tangent. You see all these, <laughs> you know, Tennessee quarterback Hooker was going crazy. You see C.J. Stroud. Yep. Like you see all these stats from all these guys, and then you look at the highlight reel, and like four of their five touchdowns, the guy's literally wide open were like 30 yards between him and the closest defender. Of course they're going to have 50 touchdowns. Jesus Christ, I could throw 20 if, if the guys are that wide open. Jesus. I mean, as fast as these guys are, all right, get this guy open. I got to huck it 40 yards.
1: Bet. That's why when we talk about yards. tight ends during the draft, I'm like, I have, I don't want Jeremy Rucker. He's not in my top 10. He's the the tight end from Ohio State. Yeah. Have you heard his name a single time this year?
2: No, we could, dude, they're always he's wide, wide
1: open because he plays with Ohio State. He's playing with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, and Nobody Marvin He's wide open for eight touchdowns. Of course
2: he is, right? Um, so I just I just want to point that out with Mertz, Okay, first of all, he's had to make a lot of tough throws. Right. So, um, then the next thing that I'm lo- I'm looking at us, you know, p- putting us in third and manageable is always an important thing. But imagine if we can get to a a third and four or even, say, you know, a second and one and we can cook up a play where DK is running wide open down the sideline. That's going to make Mertz look really, really good. And that's the shit that nobody brings up when they talk about Graham Mertz. Yeah. Is uh, how many contested throws he has to make and DK, how many contested catches he has to make. I'm it's really hammering on that this week because catches. I really feel like these guys are unfairly scrutinized. And it's not that I'm trying to protect their feelings or anything like that because all these boomers are gonna come out and say all this bullshit, right? But it's just like watch the game. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, he made a bad throw. Dude, he said to try to make 25 perfect fucking throws. Yeah. How many and perfect throws do you think he can make? 16 of them are probably on the run. Exactly. Like, come on,
1: we're not watching the same game here. Um, um I just want to point out a lot of it, I'll be honest, I think a lot of it has to do with the team record. I can see that. Uh, just quickly on
2: Minnesota's defense, real quick. They only give up 25% of third downs. So, third downs, they're number Damn. one in the country. 34 of 133. They've only given up 34 first downs on third down. So, Damn. yeah, their defense is balling. They are going,
1: that third down is going to be a very, very important stat at, for this week. That's a good point. Minnesota's defense, honestly, it's pretty similar to the Badgers. Like, they mm-hmm. give up actually similar yards. Like, for Or the Basically. rushing yards they give up is like within 5 and the passing yards is within 20. Mm-hmm. Um so it's actually really similar to Wisconsin's defense. Um and for me essentially it's the key for the Badgers offense is to vary the play calling. Um I give Braylon Allen a ton of credit for gutting the game out against Nebraska. Um but We have three capable guys to use in the backfield. We have three capable guys on the outside at wide receiver. Varying up who you're going to and how you are going to them, to me, is going to be really important to keeping Minnesota's defense off balance. Um, That being said, for me, the matchup that I'm watching on the Badgers offense is going to be the running back room. If all three of them are healthy, which going into this game they are because they're not listed on the injury report, uh, mix them up mix them up in playing time and mix them up in the ways that you use them. Like I said, in the, in the recap, getting Isaac garrendo on that deep pass, that that's great stuff. When you have bad play calling in the first half, and then you get to a play like that and it works. That's great stuff. So what is, what is your matchup for the offense? So my matchup
2: for the offense is Graham Mertz versus Terrell Smith. He is a cornerback, uh, D back. Um, for uh Minnesota, he has 32 tackles, two sacks, two interceptions, and a forced fumble. So, I haven't watched a lot of Minnesota go and go for games. I won't lie to you; I'm not going Try to sit and force myself to watch the Minnesota team. But looking at the stats, yeah, how I would describe this guy is he looks like a playmaker. Um, he's getting in on fumbles, he's getting in on interceptions, he's tackling people, he's second the quarterback. This guy seems like he moves around the field; he's all everywhere. Um, Mertz, a guy that can be rushed um and that will speed up his decision making which let's be honest it's not the best all the time but I still commend him for his toughness I think Mertz versus Terrell Smith is going to be a good chess match
1: that's that's good to bring up um I mean looking at matchups that we've been watching like Graham Mertz has been on my list by eight times this year just because I'm just constantly watching to see if he's getting better mm-hmm. um and to see if he's doing good things even if the Badgers don't win or even if the play results in a drop, like some of the throws that Graham Mertz made were good throws and they just Agreed. weren't hauled in. So that's why I brought up, you know, if we're talking about it, that the drops that that makes a totally different narrative with Graham Mertz in this game specifically, but you know, over the course of a season. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Mo Ibrahim. That's it. That's Minnesota's offense. That's all of their offense. That's literally it. It's Mo Ibrahim. Moe Ibrahim Moore, and then it's a little bit more Ibrahim, and just in case you weren't paying attention to the first three times I said it, Minnesota's offense is Moe Ibrahim. That's it. Yep. That is it. Period. The dude has 1,524 yards and 19 touchdowns. He has been over 30 carries four games in a row.
2: Bro, he's going to have 300 carries in college.
1: Oh, God. That's disgusting. That's it. That's, that's their offense. He is their offense. So, I'm glad we get to play Minnesota in the last week of the season because now I get to talk more shit about people that have nothing but negative things to say about Graham Mertz. Let's take a look at Minnesota's quarterbacks. Their starter is Tanner Morgan. Should he be healthy? Ass. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. (laughs) He has seven touchdowns and five interceptions in eight games. Yeah, he's dookie. All seven of his touchdowns came in three of those eight. He has five games without a single touchdown. Then you get to his backup not even going to say his name because it's longer than the the entire show that we've done so far. (laughs) He has one touchdown and four interceptions. So combined, Minnesota's quarterbacks have eight touchdowns and nine interceptions. And people are saying dumb shit. Like Graham Mertz is the worst football player in the country when he's got 19 and nine. Yikes. The fuck out of here with that. Minnesota's quarterback play has been worse than awful. That is true. And people have the audacity to say stuff like Graham Mertz isn't a D3 level quarterback. Yeah, it's because they're smart, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure, it has nothing to do with personal bias. No, not at all. (laughs) Or an inability to admit that you're wrong about a guy improving, or you know whatever it is. He had 10 and 11 last year. He has 19 and 9 this year, but you know he still. sucks.
2: <laughs> That's a good comment, Matt. It's a good comment. That's probably because people don't consider Minnesota as part of the. If we could give them the Canada, oh, I would. That's, awesome. That's all I'll say. We will Can take we Toronto. Trade... We will take Toronto.
1: Tell you what, hey, if anybody, Matt, I know you're in Indiana, but if you know anybody in Michigan, tell them we will offer them Minnesota in exchange for the UP. <laughs> you, you can have michigan and western michigan that way you don't have to have eastern michigan western michigan central michigan michigan and michigan state all in the same fucking state right and it's smaller than our state like, and you can you can put western michigan and michigan state over in minnesota and just name it michigan too i don't even give a shit what you name it just give up <laughs> you just have more area i'll <laughs> get back to you uh if anybody from minnesota is watching our show they probably just turned it off <laughs> Bill's cousin lives in Michigan. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Oh, that's awesome. All right. What are you looking for from the Badgers um, defense against Minnesota's offense besides Mo Ibrahim? Yeah, Christ almighty.
2: Um, probably a reason why they're also first on third down percentage on offense. Uh, 54.2%. That is fucking ridiculous. Damn. 7-7 of 142. So – they have 77 first downs on third down and have only given up 34 first downs on third down. And this team is seven and four. What happened? This is where we say that they stats. Start
3: like four
1: and oh, too.
2: Yeah. Uh, like, I know on... they
1: played some cupcakes, but damn.
2: And then they went on a really big losing streak. But uh, yeah, man, th- this is where they we tell you close. stats.
1: Like, what the hell?
2: Yeah, I, know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so then to look at our, our third down percentage. Under Leonard, 31 of 91, 34%. That's not bad. I can live with that all day. On the season, we're a total of 32%. So, we still got a good third down defense. It's really going to be strength for strength. This game is going to yeah. be old-fashioned Big Ten football. It's going to be a bunch of big old farm dudes running into each other, man.
1: I yeah, saw so that happen.
2: <laughs> they always show dude, I Dude, I saw a freaking post the other day. About the Vikings, and it was like the eight and seven Vikings playing the eight and seven Packers at Lambeau Field on New Year's Day is going to be must-watch TV. And I was like, "Watch it, fucking happen, bro! Watch it happen. That'd be oh, nuts. Watch it happen. The Vikings start eight and one. They're eight and seven at Lambeau Field for leading the division or something like that. Or the Lions oh, yeah. are leading the division or something. I don't know. Something weird's going to happen. I feel like because it's been a weird year in the NFL. It has been. So, you saw that? Thank you, Matt. I wasn't alone. I saw it too. Um, but, yeah, Minnesota, Wisconsin, is going to be some old-fashioned, just big old boys running into each other. Minnesota's going to try to look cool because they have Nike and they try to wear cool helmets. I mean, if you look good and you play bad and you lose, it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, that's all I'm going to say with that.
1: Three yards and a cloud of dust. That's going to be a game like that. Um, yeah. So, let's talk matchups. What matchup are you watching on the Badgers defense? I'm excited <laughs> for mine.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I tr- I really tried to not pick the popular pick. I tried so goddamn hard, but I was like, it's just inevitable. This is one of those ones, you know, like Thanos said, I'm inevitable. Front seven versus Mo Ibrahim is exactly what I'm going to be watching. It's going to be your guy, CJ Getz. It's going to be uh, my guy, uh, Meta, It's going to be Jordan Turner. We're going to need all hands on deck. Uh, the safeties are going to have to come down and help, I'm assuming, so... It's just going to be, I went with just front seven, but we're going to have to contain that guy.
1: I went with Nick Herbig. Ooh, second half Nick Herbig? Second half Nick Herbig. He's going to come back angry in a ground and pound game? Bro, he's going to come out of that halftime tunnel ready to murder somebody. And I've seen the comparison like being made to Jack Cicci when he had to sit out the first half of the bowl game against USC a couple years ago, and he had three sacks in the second half alone. Okay. I and I'm know. like, yes, Nick Herbie can do that. I am – oh, I'm so excited to see Nick <laughs> Herbert come back in the second half angry, fresh, and just ready to wreck shit. So – yeah. Matt said four sacks and an interception in the second half. Hey, I'll take, it. I'll take four sacks and an interception in the first half too. That'd be cool with me. Um, the Badgers
2: are very fundamentally sound, Bill. To answer to answer your, you know, your statement, the the Badgers are one of the more fundamentally sound which is why they always rank high in third downs and yards right. per game and
1: stuff. So I will point to Purdue. Um Henry, the running back from Purdue, he's a actually like he's a, he's a walk-on freshman, but he is he was like breaking tackles like crazy, like crazy, like crazy. And the Badgers they, they took care of him pretty well mm. um, and that dude's a big runner. Um, the Maryland running back too I think it's I want to say it's Anthony Grant, which is weird because it's the same name as the, the Dayton head coach. I think it's Anthony Grant. Um, he was averaging like 4.7 yards a carry and the badgers held him in check mm. um, So you know that's it's you know Mo Ibrahim is better than probably both of those two guys combined but it's it's similar play styles similar offensive mindsets similar offensive schemes um to look at those guys and then be like all right Mo Ibrahim is like the boss level of that video game um <laughs> but it comes down to Mo Ibrahim if you stop Mo Ibrahim you stop Minnesota and ultimately when you look at their four losses that's pretty much how that goes mm-hmm. all right give me your key to victory or do you want to do Weather report first, or do you want to do your key to victory first?
2: We'll do key to victory, we'll do weather report, then we'll do score prediction. Um, So my key to victory is uh, come ready to battle, baby. Um, This is Axe Week. Uh, Last week, that loss fucking hurt. I won't lie. I still think about that game. Uh, We were on a massive run going into that game, and it was just like we have all momentum. And this is one where – this one feels important for Wisconsin to turn a corner um in in the new era that we're calling the Leonard era this yep. feels like one where it's just like this is where the badgers went back to being the badgers and we mm-hmm. we've gotten back to playing better better team football and yep. and like I said we're we're always fundamentally sound but this feels really really important at least in my mind where it's just yep. like this is the turn the corner moment yep. be 7 to 5 get a better ball game bring the yep. axe back where it fucking belongs yeah. and
1: I feel like if you're ready to battle, you're
2: ready to be physical.
1: Yeah. So, for me, mine kind of ties into that, too. Um, did you see that the Badgers were playing Minnesota, jumping around at Camp Randall in the weight room? What? They were playing Minnesota. was From last year, they were jumping around in Camp Randall. during Obviously, during jump around. And they were playing that in the weight room at the Badgers facility.
2: Those motherfuckers.
1: Just so like, 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 Iowa dude, that to, doesn't make you just want to like
2: go at it harder, like, bro. Iowa comes to Wisconsin next year, and I will not forget those motherfuckers playing jump around after they beat us a couple weeks ago. Oh, I want to go to that game so bad because we're we're gonna give them all the fucking smoke, dude. I can't <laughs> wait for that one.
1: Um. So my key to victory is all four quarters attack on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. You're at home. Get after it. Get them on their heels on both sides of the ball. Whole game, all four quarters, attack. Bring the ax home. Yes. All right. What's the weather going to be like on Saturday?
2: It's actually going to be a really, really nice day. Um, I'm really excited for it. Um, 50 degrees, wind south-southwest at six miles per hour. Uh, Real feel, 51 degrees. Uh, this game is at 2.30 on ESPN, by the way. 2.30 central time. Uh, Badgers are favored by 3.5. The over-under is 36. I always remember to kind of bring that up. Um, so, 2.30 on Saturday. I know it's going to be a nice day out, but pop your ass on the couch and, and watch the Badgers football kick some Minnesota ass. All
1: right. Give me your score prediction from the head.
2: <sighs> I really don't want either of these to be true because I'll be really mad. But – um
1: 23 to
2: 20. I have 17-14. Yours is worse. Yours is much worse.
1: Dude, we said it's gonna be gone upon. This ain't gonna be no 33 to 27 game. No, 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 it's not. All right. Give me your score prediction from the heart. Are you ready for this? I I almost pulled a U. 21-20. Oh, 21-20. I I feel like when I do my score predictions, like I try to be as analytic as possible when I do my score prediction from the head. And then from the heart, I look at it as in an ideal world, what is the score going to be? And that reflects. And I said, for my heart prediction, 24 to 12, Minnesota gets no touchdowns. And they get four field goals. Okay. 24, 12. Huh?
2: That would be an interesting score. I would enjoy that. I would enjoy that. I would not enjoy your 17 14. I feel like
1: that's gonna be the kind of game we get. I know, and it's gonna piss me off so much because I already know what to expect. It's gonna be stressful. Just just yeah. brace, just brace for it, accept it. It's gonna be stressful.
2: Just win the damn game. I cannot, uh, I can't withstand another loss to a
1: Minnesota team. I can't. Well, yeah, that too. And I just want to end the season on a high note. I'd like to see Graham Mertz throw 69 touchdowns just so people shut the fuck up. But. Oh, dude, I almost forgot to bring this up. Hold on. Let me go back because I found a 69 randomly. Hold oh,
2: on. All right. <laughs> um, the Minnesota, the Minnesota turnover plus minus is plus three, which is tied for 69th in the country. I saw that and I was like, I got to write it down. Damn it. That's going in
1: the notes. Yep. All right. Cool. (laughs) It's got to happen. Sorry. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about Badgers football besides win and bring the ax home? No, man. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Let's get a better bowl game than the OnlyFans Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming, dude. Ah, pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, we're getting canceled! Fuck. Oh, no, we're not. We're the best. <laughs> oh, no, uh, our show isn't scripted either, so that just happened. No, it just happens. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Oh, uh, nobody can say that our show isn't entertaining.
3: <laughs>
1: All right, let's jump into the box. Our last segment of the day, and Matt's having fun. Matt's laughing with Bucks, us, maybe. not at us. Maybe, maybe he's laughing at us. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really care at this point. <laughs> All right. So let's do our Bucks power pair and underrated performer. Give me your power pair. Um, Bill said, Gotta go, guys. Go Bucky, go pack. Hey, and go Bucks. Yes. Go I'll Bucks. That. The Bucks play the Bulls tonight. So I'll, I'll get into it. Let's do power hey, pair. You're pair laughing your at me, pair.
2: Tim? You son of
1: a bitch. Um
2: so <laughs> my power pair it's gonna be crazy, but i have a little bit of Nawara bias this week, so I actually put him in my power pair to be to be uh, Um
1: I don't have Drew holiday or Giannis in my power pair. Neither do I. I have Nawara and Brooke Lopez. I also have Brooke Lopez.
2: Um Brooke Lopez was a he was a shoe-in. After the after the Cavs game, it was like, come on in. Well, and then in the in the Blazers game he had what, five blocks? So yep. I mean that that helps too. He had four um, blocks
1: in the 76ers game, too. Yeah, and three of them on a bead, but we'll yeah. talk about
2: that later. Um, yeah. DeWoro, I, th- I think I think the took a step forward this week. He played really, really well. Um, yeah, he is. He's been
1: he he was pretty good. He was he was taking that's a good way to put it.
2: I think his, his shot selection was better. I think his defensive positioning was a little bit better. I, I agree with you that he still is a little bit more turnover prone, but, yeah. you know, he was hustling and running down rebounds this week. Yep. So that's something that I yep. appreciate. Um, I got to be honest, though, I hate his hair. You know, and I I, com- I complained about people talking about his hair, but, dude, how does his hair stick up here and then still go down here? It, it just it doesn't <laughs> physically make sense to me, I guess. I don't know. But uh, he averaged 11 points, two rebounds, one assist. He shot 50% from the field and 57%. Uh, behind the art, 8 mm. of 14. So that was very, very good.
1: Yeah, he is playing scrappy. I agree with that. That's a good way to
2: cool.
3: describe it.
1: Brooke Lopez is pretty similar, honestly. He averaged 19 yeah. points on the week, 5 rebounds, 4 blocks. He was 56.8% from the field and 57.9% from three. Um, yeah, was- His hair is nowhere bad as Trey Young's. You mean the, the Tootsie Pop dropped on the floor haircut? Yeah, you don't like that one? It's not as bad as that, but it just um, doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> my my other one is Bobby Portis, actually. Um, I brought it up last week that I'd like to see Bobby Portis start to bounce back. I believe that he would, um, that he had kind of a, str- a struggling start to the season shooting-wise, but um, he did better in the last week. And in addition to his 14.7 points and nine rebounds, over the last three games, Bobby Portis averaged three assists per game. Ooh, he was passing the ball really well. Um, it's it's going to come up in the Trailblazers game. Don't I, went,
2: I went back and forth between Grayson and Allen and George Hill. And, again, the George Hill thing is, you know, outside of him actually playing well and throwing mm. good passes, it's kind of despite, you know, our fans of this oh, yeah. just oh, because, yeah. we, because we like to do that. We like to be petty. But I wanted to give a shout-out to Grayson Allen, who I thought has been pretty good this this week. Nope. I love – you know, there was, a, there was a sequence in the Blazers game where – was it the Blazers game? It might have been the 76ers game. I'm not sure. My games are all going together now. But he had the ball, passed it. Went, the ball went to four different people, and it ended up back in Grayson Allen's hands. He shot a three and made it. And I was like, Grayson moving without the ball, starting that's that cool. ball movement, that's just – that's fantastic. And I want to talk about that Blazers years game. out of
1: the corners of your eyes.
2: I really want to talk about the Blazers game because I have a lot of shit to say about that game, but that's the third we'll game. Get there. We will get we there. Run but... through
1: the Cavs and 76ers games kind of quick. I'm assuming yeah. you have George Hill as your underrated performer.
2: Yeah. I, I, I ended up with George Hill.
1: All right. Rook, let me, let me finish on Bobby Portis real quick. He averaged four or shot 40% from the three point line, 59% on field goals. And then George Hill, Matt, people are still saying George Hill sucks because they haven't moved on from last year's playoffs. Um, George Hill over the last week, four point seven five points, um, average of the steal, averaged three assists himself, and also just shy of three rebounds. For a dude who's not playing a lot, and for a dude who didn't score last night, or sorry, two nights ago against the Trailblazers, also had five assists, five rebounds, a block, and two steals. Like man, that's that's an underrated performer. On a platter for you, that's, yeah, like you couldn't give you much more of like what an underrated performer is than a guy who scores zero points and still makes a big impact on the box score. Agreed, but that's what George Hill did against the Trailblazers. So let's start with the Bucks and Cavaliers game from last Wednesday. Um, I was I'm impressed with the Bucks in this game, yeah. they came out no no Drew Holiday to go against two all stars in the backcourt and have a rookie Marjan Beauchamp who deserves a big. Scoop of credit for this game. He guarded both of them at times with Drew Holiday out. They did both score 23 points. However, on a combined 15 of 39 shooting, that's 38.5%. If, if those two guys are going to score 46 points for you combined, when either one of them can give you that themselves, on 38.5% field goal shooting, give me that all day. Not to mention the experience that Marjan Bochamp got to derive from that by guarding Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and all of the screens that he's got to work through. Like I I guarantee that's something that Drew Holiday is teaching Marjan Bochamp how to do because Drew Holiday is so damn good at getting through screens. But Marjan Bochamp, he got a ton of experience on working through screens in this game. But what are some things that stood out to you from this game? So I'm going to run through (laughs) a couple sequences,
2: impact stuff that I wanted to talk about. There's a fun one for my second one that I was just like, wow. Um, But I want to talk about my first one is Mitchell was on fire in the first, right? He was absolutely on fire in the first quarter. I think he had 16 of his, his 18 in the first half in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And I love, you know, this was early in the second quarter that Bobby Portis comes out and he's overplaying the screen. And he's basically saying, like, Mitchell, we're not going to give you an easy catch. We're going to make you work to get this goddamn ball now because you're kicking our ass. So he plays high and is denying the pass. I don't remember the Cavs player. Just throws the ball without even looking because he's just like, oh, Donovan's over there. I'm just going to throw the ball. Ends up getting the steal and the slam. And this is one of those plays where we talk about winning plays. This is a winning play because I feel like it set a defensive tone. And that is something that needed to happen in this game. Um, after Donovan Mitchell came back down to earth because he was apparently on a different planet in the first quarter, we ended up whooping their ass a little bit, in my opinion.
1: I I'm mean, one, on that a little bit. I mean, one thirteen to ninety eight. I mean, we we kicked them around a little bit. I, I'm really I'm really glad you brought up that that defensive standard point. That's that's very really good stuff to bring that up. Um, I'm going to talk about third quarters specifically a little bit later. But for mm-hmm. the Cavaliers to score thirty seven in the first quarter and only thirty eight in the entire second half. Yeah. That's that's a great first half to second half adjustment in my opinion. Yeah. So um that, that's
2: ahead. to before you before you go on your tangent here, that's for all the people that talk shit on bud. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: And and when it gets to the third quarter, you know, when we talk about like the week as a whole, um, it correlates well. So <clears throat> but the other thing with this game for me, Brooke Lopez, he looks so comfortable. Seeing him catching and he's he's like he's bouncy, he looks spry, like he's shooting with confidence. Um, he's got the bounce back in his step. He finished ten of thirteen and seven of nine on threes, with three blocks in this game. Yeah, he was he was fucking whooping, bro. <laughs> um, Bobby Portis had another double double 10 points and eleven rebounds. Um, fundamental failures from this game. Total of 34. They missed 12 free throws. A lot of that, unfortunately, is on Giannis. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 points off turnovers. That's still something the Bucs, you know, I've been, ever since we started this show, turnovers are something I want to see the Bucs bring down. Mm-hmm. Six second chance points. That's six. Very good. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. To only allow six second chance points. Mm-hmm. That is perfect. Um, what's the other thing that stood out to you from this game? Before I kind of run through a couple of other things.
2: Um, so my next play was an alley oop, and when you say alley oop, uh, that's you your think? guy. That's your guy. You're thinking Giannis, right? And
1: rightfully so. But this one was the Jordan Awara, who was from George drinking. Hill.
2: He was hooping in this game, by the way,
1: bro. All right, real quick on your point of this alley oop, George Hill. Like he did this, he's like slapped and stripped the ball away. Mm-hmm. That's bruh. That's just great awareness by George Hill. And then obviously yeah. he
2: the honestly Carter's really good at that too for a
1: smaller guy. Oh yeah. Attacking he's got the ball really, really down. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's
2: got really good hands. So don't don't bring the ball down. And then you got Giannis in there and Brooks. I mean Yeah, don't God. bring the
1: ball up either. Don't bring the ball up or down.
2: Literally, when you get in the paint, if you bring the ball down, that's the point of no return against Milwaukee. I'm just gonna yeah. declare that right now because yep. you're either getting slapped out by a guard or you're getting blocked by one or, of you're, our trying to, or you're
1: trying to throw a ball over a forest of trees, right?
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this play the ball gets knocked out, Carter gets it, gives it back to Hill, and Hill finds streaking Noora for a lob. And when I tell you that I jumped up from my couch, I said, Holy shit, bro, I didn't know he could do that. shit. I literally said that. I said, I didn't know he could do that shit. He just catches that shit and throws it down. I was hyped, bro. And I want to say that court was fucking beautiful with those jerseys, man.
1: Oh, yeah. That
2: was beautiful. Like, the blue – I can't say enough good things, but it was beautiful, dude. Honestly, I was, like well, – I was impressed. Um, I do lo- – I am going to miss the black court with the Bucks logo and the paint, though. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure they're going to
1: get rid of that. But – they might bring it back for the statement edition jerseys, the uh, the black with the antlers. It's that like, would be maybe. sick. I do love. I don't that. know how many alternate but, courts they're going to hold on to, but
2: I mean, they already got it made, so why not? Uh-huh. Um, but the blue core with the blue jerseys, <laughs> I That's was nice like, stuff. "Ooh, boy, we on fire today!" And Jordan Nwora, he he took the look good, feel good, play good shit to a whole nother level. Mm. Twenty one. He was five and nine from three, a steal and a block. I mean, sheesh. And one lob. I literally did not know that he could do that. I thought he did not go inside the three point line. He,
1: I I mean I he did, but he's he's got floater game is what it is. True. So he never he's never going to the to the paint looking to dunk on somebody. He's looking for floater game.
2: Bro, he yammed that shit, and I was just hype as fuck. I was like, Oh my goodness.
1: Um <laughs> uh, so the other couple of things I want to throw out. Jamon Carter, eleven points, four rebounds, eight assists, mm-hmm. a steal and two blocks. George Hill, seven points, three rebounds, three assists. Serge Ibaka, nine points and four rebounds. We got two Serge Ibaka dunks in this game. Yeah, Slice we did. He pumped fake the three-point line, drove straight to the rim and threw it down. It's like, damn, we got the young version of Sergi Ibaka too? Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> he, play,
2: but, he plays hard yet, so I respect right. that about him. For,
1: for Serge Ibaka to give you nine points and four rebounds and George Hill to give you seven, three, and three from the eighth, ninth, tenth, ish rotation guys on your bench like give me all that every day agreed um and then i just want to give a real quick mike budenholzer credit cleveland cut the lead to 100 to 91 with seven minutes and 20 seconds left bucks had been up 17 at one point in the fourth quarter seven minutes 20 seconds left budenholzer calls timeout cleveland only scores seven points for the rest of the game Seven points over the last seven minutes and 20 seconds. And we were getting worried. <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you wait till the game's over. Exactly. That's all the basketball's a game of runs. Cleveland did not go on another run after that. Exactly. All right. So let's get into the 76ers game. Uh, weird game. So the Bucks missed 13 <laughs> free throws, which, again, is a lot on Giannis. Um, yep. Again only six second chance points, and only eight points off turnovers for a total of 27. So the Bucks played pretty fundamentally sound in this game, but this game is a game of efficiency. So field goal percentages, Milwaukee 45.6, Philadelphia 51.3. Three-point percentages, Milwaukee 33.3, Philadelphia 46.4. Free throw mm-hmm. percentage, Milwaukee 38, Philadelphia 65. So, <clears throat> the Bucs played fundamentally, but not efficiently. What stood out to you in this game? So, this ended up being one of those games. Okay, before I get into
2: it, I got to talk about this it's in my notes. I wanted to talk about the headline on the ESPN app. So, if you go on the ESPN app and you go on the Bucks or 76ers game that happened on Friday, and there will be a little article wrote, written about the game, it literally says the shorthanded 76ers. And I, I didn't read the rest of it, but I was like, why the fuck are they the only ones shorthanded?
1: We're not shorthanded. Yeah. Only thing I can say is that they lost Maxie halfway through the I game. know, I know, but I mean we, didn't, we didn't play Drew, Drew Holiday the whole first
2: rough. quarter. Drew Holiday only played three quarters in this game. Technically, we don't have our second best player. Uh-huh. It just makes me mad that they're shorthanded.
1: Well, it's we it's, oh yeah, it's all narrative.
2: So that bothered me. I'm just gonna say that. That's the
1: probably like the third or fourth thing that bothered me about this game. And then you get into
2: <clears> – <throat> this ended up being one of those games where Joel Embiid started making jump shots in the fourth quarter, and it's just right. like, all right, if if that's the shot we're giving up, and people are going to complain about how Brooke is guarding him, but Brooke is protecting the paint. And, and Embiid is definitely a guy that can control a game by getting into the paint and getting you into into – you know, foul trouble or finishing at the rim or both. Right. So to hold him out of the paint and make him make jumper, if he makes those, it is what it is. You live with it.
1: I, on that point, like I have this written down as well. The bucks are usually really good at keeping him bead farther out. They usually keep him on the three point line. That's where I live with Joel Embiid. When you get him two, three steps inside of that and you're giving him mid range, that's where I'm like, all right, we got to get a little bit closer to him. I agree with that. Um,
2: Matt, there's nobody on the Sixers that's second tier that is close to Chris Middleton. Nobody. Nobody. Maxie's good. He's still coming into his own, but he's not Chris Middleton. That's that's where I'm what gonna about leave. That. <sighs>
1: no, let me just put it to you this way. No, no, because Chris Middleton plays both ends of the court. Right. I was gonna say, would you take Tyrese Maxie and James Harden or Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton?
2: Oh, I'm taking at Christmas and Holiday. They play both ends of the court. They both can be playmakers. They both can be shooters. Where I love Maxi is the second best player on that team. Fucking miss me with James Harden. I'm serious about that. I actually believe that. Fucking miss me with James Harden. I don't give a shit if James Harden is is nothing on defense.
1: Nothing. I was say, if you put it put it to you this way: If Tyrese Maxi had James Harden's usage rate, would you think they were? Would- Yes, Tobias Harris too, but he's honestly become a non factor for
2: I mean we were we were missing Pat Cotton too. So I mean Pat Conton, Tobias Harris. I mean the money doesn't add up, but for what for what Pat does for our team, shooting shots, getting extra possessions, and allowing us to play a, a lot of variations of lineups, pretty fucking important. Same thing with what Tobias Harris basically does for the 76ers. He allows you to play a lot of different lineups and spreads the floor,
1: but he just paid a bazillion it, right? dollars. Yeah. Corkmaz is only bro you're only bringing up corkmaz because he only plays good against the Bucks. You know what, Matt? I'm starting to get pissed off now.
2: You son of a bitch. <laughs> they still had Georges Niang, who is also a Bucks killer. So they still that, have I him. hate that guy, dude. Every time he plays us, the Son of a Bitch has 20 points. Why? Because he makes six out of seven threes. And then Korkmaz he'll have 20 is the same points. way. He'll have 20 points the next four games combined. It's like, this makes no sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. Royce
1: O'Neal's the same way. He'll make seven out of nine threes against us, and then seven out of his next 90. It is what it is. I still – I like Royce O'Neal, though, except was, when he plays against the Bucks.
2: That was still bullshit that they said they're short-handed 76ers. Like, we don't have fucking injuries, too. And, again, we didn't right. play Drew Holiday for three for a quarter. So, we only got three-fourths of Drew Holiday, and he wasn't in a rhythm at all. Right. Um. Yeah, this game – the the first play that I that I wanted to talk about is it, really a series of events that happened is Brooke Lopez amazing, amazing defense inside of Embiid. Mm. I mean, he made he made Embiid look small a couple times. I won't lie. And Embiid is a massive human being. Oh, yeah. Um we are gonna get into it uh because it's my second play and I wanna talk about it. Embiid's cheap shot on Giannis. I want your I opinions him, no. on it first. So I want I want to know what you think.
1: Real quick, I just want to address Matt. Um, if Giannis makes his free throws, we win. Giannis would have to have made all of his free throws. The Bucs lost this game by eight. I think Giannis missed nine free throws. Yeah, he um, was four of 15. Oh, so, okay, so he missed 11. I mean, that's that's a little unfair to expect Giannis to make 12 of 15 free throws, um, especially when he's struggling. And I listened to the Point Forward podcast. It's the Bucks podcast from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Jim Ozwarski had a really good point on it, too. You know, a potential thought, and I think it's valid to bring up is that Giannis has been coming off of a knee injury that cost him three games. So, if that's potentially been affecting his free throw shooting, because when you go to bend your knees while you're shooting your free throws, if that, if you bend down and you're thinking, like, oh, I just got a sharp pain in my knee instead of focusing on your free throw, like that could be affected. I'm not trying to give an excuse for Giannis because he still needs to be better and he still needs to make those. Yep. Yep. Um, but it's it's really easy to say, oh, Giannis missed 11 free throws and we lost by eight. So, you know. <clears throat> um, True. We also win this game if Joel Embiid gets properly ejected. Yeah. There is not a single damn thing you can tell me that is redeeming about that play that Joel Embiid made that tells me that that's not excessive or unnecessary because we discussed this with Nick Herbig, who was tossed from a game for doing something that I don't believe was unnecessary and excessive. And then you get to Joel Embiid throwing a literal fucking elbow into Giannis's side. Bro, he threw his whole upper body. (laughs) Hold on. Because if, if Joel Embiid did that to Joel Embiid, he'd still be on the ground rolling around. True. But because he did it to Giannis, who's a fucking unit, he got away with it, which is bullshit. Because if Joel Embiid gets ejected at that point of the game, the 76ers do not win that game because Embiid was their closer. He made a ton of mid-range shots after that in a game he should have been kicked out of. And I don't cheer for players to get injured, but Joel Embiid got his karma, and now he's going to miss a week with a bad ankle. That's bullshit that he did not get kicked out of that game. It's honestly flagging for him stopping and sticking his knee and hip out right in front of Giannis. But to me, it's it's the elbow. Throwing that elbow out, awful. Like, there's just, just no integrity from that. How do you try to justify that to a referee? Like Tim just Man. said, he argued about the call. How? How do Man. you throw an elbow at somebody and be like, no, I shouldn't even be getting a flag or one? You should be in the fucking locker room. For Yeah, you should be taking a shower right now, buddy. Dude, that's just – it's just disrespectful. Like, we're going to get into the postgame shit. That's all disrespectful, too. But to throw an elbow into somebody, like, just have some fucking class. And it doesn't Bro. surprise me that this shit all happened in Philadelphia.
2: And then, so here's my view on it. First of all, Embiid, you're a piece of shit. I hate you now. Um, there was nowhere near a play on the ball. That was not at all a basketball play. Like, like at the end of the day... When you're calling these flagrant fouls and you're looking at it, and and I don't know how the refs can go in there and be like, yep, he made a play in the ball. Like, dude, that was not a fucking basketball play at all, the entire thing. He literally just stood there as Giannis was barreling down and went, bah, with everything he had, too. He is a massive, massive human being. Sixers organization, organization likes classic Vikings. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a conversation that I will be having on Friday probably. So we'll go, we'll uh, we'll talk about that on Friday. But yeah, I have something on that. All right.
1: So I'm just gonna run through just some of the stuff. Bobby Portis, 29 or 21 and 11, on uh, nine of 13 shooting. Like I said, I've been waiting for a game like this for him to, to really break out. Uh, Brooke Lopez had four blocks in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that PJ Tucker cannot hold Giannis. He can't defend Giannis. PJ Tucker anymore. He can't hold him. Um, so now. This is such a stupid fucking thing that we even have to talk about this. We have to talk about all the stuff that happened after the game. Yeah. Because you want to talk about lacking class? Philadelphia, be better. Just be better. The, the fact that Montrez Harrell literally came out to take Giannis's ball away, and then Giannis had to go find a different ball, and, like, the – The arena staff went to start doing whatever they were doing. People were like, oh, they're taking down the court. It's like, why do they need a ladder in front of the hoop then? So there's that. And then like, oh, people just want to get the arena done and go home. It's like, there's still fans on the sideline. Who are you telling all the arena people are going to leave before the fans are gone?
2: Dude, that was going to be my point. Dude, I saw a video of a fan
1: fucking recording it. There's no, no, fuck that. Like, dude, you're telling me the arena people are trying to get out of there? while there's still a whole bunch of fans along the sidelines and in the stands. Like, just tell me that you're biased towards your side of this argument without telling me that you're biased to this side of our argument. And the fact that Mantras Harrell is out there working out on the other side of the court. And then you're going to be like, Oh, the arena people want to get out of there. That guy's down there doing his thing. And Bobby Portis talked about this to multiple reporters, that it's a professional courtesy that wherever you are, this is literally only a problem in Philadelphia and probably in Boston are probably the only two places where this is a problem for a guy to go get work in after a game only places because, um, Nathan Marzian, he brought up that he asked some of the, the former Bucks uh, people that worked at Fiserv Forum. They were told to help opposing players who were coming to work out after games because it's, it's a common thing that guys go out there and, they work on stuff that didn't go well or guys that don't play a lot, go out and work after the games so that they have a workout in for that day because they don't practice on game days. The Celtics did it. I guess I was hearing reports that the Celtics were doing it uh, during the Bucs series in the playoffs last year. Guys that weren't playing were going out and running line drills after the games. Like just, just have a professional courtesy. I get that Philadelphia and the Bucks have kind of a rivalry going on now, but haven't faced each other in the playoffs. And if they did, the bucks would wash them away. We would molly. But, dude, we would wax them in a seven game series. <laughs> um, To not even have the class and courtesy to be like, all right, you're a dude who's in the same league as me trying to get better and not realize that that can affect you too. That Giannis being better brings more attention to the NBA. And if you go and stop Giannis, like MB blocked Giannis at the rim, Giannis got him back at the rim. But doing stuff like that against a guy who's getting better, all that does is just bring more attention to the NBA, makes it easier for you to get paid, like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It also makes you not look like a dick anywhere you go. Like Montrezl Harrell, anywhere you go, like, sorry, you're known as a dick. You're a dick. Yep. I agree. Um, What are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, when it comes to the ladder thing, Like I get that it's not a good look for Giannis to push the ladder over and it tipped over. He did ask twice for them to move it. So the great Montrez Harrell is
2: averaging (laughs) 0.5 points and 0.5 rebounds in two games against the Bucks this year. So you know the guy doesn't even average a
1: point in a round play working out after the games.
2: (laughs) Philly has to offer free chicken. Fucking A they do. Um Giannis, hey, and Giannis is a man of the people. He gave them free chicken twice now. So I'll just say that. Um Montrez Harold wanted to talk about respect. Uh he made a tweet talking about respect. And the thing that really makes me mad about that is he went out there and he ba- and like Giannis said he basically bullied him to get off of that hoop. Took his nope. basketball, made the 76ers employee tell him like there's nothing I can do, it's out of my hands. Giannis went and got another basketball. So yep. now he still has two. So he can get, he can have continuous shots. I get it. But then the workers are in the way and he asked nicely. And I'm, I'm sure it wasn't as nice as I'm saying, but he was like, Hey, I'm trying to shoot free throws here. Come yeah, he, he, You could
1: see him go like this a couple times. Like,
2: yeah. And then he, he even moves the ladder one time for that guy to have the balls to move that ladder in front of Giannis out at a Kumbo again. Okay, maybe I should – maybe his brain is as big as, as as a nut because, Jesus Christ, how stupid are you? All he wanted to do was shoot free throws. And this is the point – the last point I'm going to make about this is Montrose Harrell, like I said, wanted to talk about respect. But then when he's talking to Thanasis, and Thanasis is not being uh, over the top or excitable at all. Confrontational. Confrontational, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you very much, my smart friend. Nope. For him to be like – Oh, I'll beat your ass, fuck around nope. and find out. And then it's do like, this. You twice. want to talk more respect and do want... and wave him off twice. Dude, I'm telling you right now, if the ada of the kumbos would have teamed up, they would have whooped his ass. He Bro, I'd have
1: this straight up over Montrezl hero.
2: I know, but you know both brothers are getting in on it. I think the Nassas too, but you know, you know if the NASS is in it or if Giannis is in it, the other one's coming.
1: That's how they're gonna. Bobby make- Portis was talking about it too. He's like, I wish I was in the game when Embiid threw that elbow,
2: bro. And then and then, oh man, dude, this team doesn't take shit, bro. We got Bobby, right? Like, and then we got we got Serge Ibaka who was mixing it up this week. I mean, come on, man. I, all I'm saying is, let's get into a scrap fight with the Bucks because we'll whoop your ass, <laughs> <laughs> and still be classier than you at the end of the day. Man, I just can't believe that he was the one talking about respect.
1: You know. <laughs> he deleted that tweet too did you see that yeah I he did. made that post about respect or whatever and then he deleted the tweet nix
2: yeah, he's a bitch because he knows that he can't stand on that shit that's why. right all right
1: anything else you want to say about the 76ers game
2: i hope that we play them in the second round so that we can have two easy rounds in a row because if we get the bulls I, in the I first round
1: playoff series against the 76ers oh, they are not deep enough to mess with the bucks and Embiid is not built for a seven game series against the same team bro you if Embiid, no that and match. that flopping shit does not work in the playoffs it definitely doesn't
2: so if he if he's going to do that flopping shit and get owned by brook lopez for i don't know maybe 5 games i'll say I'll, that would be much if, much, if
1: Embiid and brook lopez are say to cancel each other out And then you're looking at the big three versus James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. (laughs) Good luck getting that series to five. You know what? When we were
2: talking before and I was talking about injuries, I honestly didn't even consider James Harden. And I know that he's had some really good games for them, but I just don't respect. I have zero respect for his game. I just don't respect. I agree. You know, you know that already about me. I just, I don't. So to, I don't think he's on Chris's level. I really don't. I mean, he's a good playmaker and he can make some shots, but. He doesn't play defense, and he's not willing to give to the team, you know?
1: Here's 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 what I'll say about James Harden. His name is now bigger than his game.
2: Yeah, he's definitely become one of those guys. For
1: his last three-ish years in Houston, and for a chunk of his time in Brooklyn, his game was still bigger than his name. And the end of his tenure in Brooklyn and everything he's done in Philly so far, his name is bigger than his game. I agree with that. All right. Let's go to Monday's game, Bucks and Blazers. We get back on a winning, um, a winning level. Um, Mm -hmm. Only nine missed free throws in this game. It's a little bit better. Only nine second chance points for for the Trailblazers. Twenty points off turnovers. That's mm, turnovers going to come down. That's thirty eight fundamental failures. It's the points off turnovers the one that really skewed it. Mm -hmm. But Pat Connaughton is back against his former team. So let's talk about the Bucks and the Trailblazers. Yeah,
2: so the first thing I wanted to talk about because me and you were texting during this game is the ball movement was fucking, mm. 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 it was, mm, you know, mm. and everybody was moving the ball, everybody was touching it, everybody was engaged. People are cutting, people are getting dunks. This was a fucking phenomenal, fun game to watch. Mm. Um, the entire time, Um, the Bucks shot fifty five percent in this game, and that is all predicated on the ball movement, in my opinion. Sure. Um, also, Giannis. Becoming Giannis in the second half and basically owning that entire third quarter, but <laughs> you know, um, so I'm just gonna talk about two plays really, really quickly because they're really they're real quick. First of all, I always, I always still get amazed at every Giannis dunk. He fucking euro stepped into a fucking body to body, dude. That's just <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's unfair. And everybody dunks on Nur- Nurkic. I get it, but I, I don't guess, give a shit, dude. It is because he's a big guy but oh, yeah. he's just he's soft that's what it is
1: yeah.
2: um and then play 2 Nawara I wanted to give him a shout out for his hustle running down um a big offensive rebound near half court and then flinging the pass right away to Drew Holiday for for mm. easy assist that was a good pass that was a good pass that was great hustle by him and he was paying yep. off uh I think it got Drew going a little bit uh Drew played much better in this game than he did yep. in the 76ers game so um, just wanted to say those two things and Giannis was five of 12. So he had seven of the missed free throws.
1: Yeah. Um, the other pass that I wanted to bring up was Bobby Portis. He gets to the block and he around a dude like down the baseline zings a chest pass to Grayson Allen for a three. Ho, ho, ho. yeah, that was beautiful. Um, you mentioned Drew Holiday. I just want to throw out there that he was defending Jeremy Grant for a big chunk of this game. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant's a power forward, and he's out here being guarded by Drew Holiday. That's why Damn. I said Drew
2: Holiday is better than Marcus Smart on defense. Oh,
1: He guards everybody, bro. Damn. Drew Holiday's so underrated, it's ridiculous. Fucking A. Um, so, the two things that I want to put out from this game is Giannis in the paint. Um. First half down the lane, cut, gets a big dunk, gets a huge tip slam. Like oh, I watched it like four times. Mm-hmm. Um, the tip slam that he had because it was just so emphatic and I love plays like that. That's um crazy. and then gets um gets a run out off of a steal in the second half. Uh had an oop from Drew Holiday. Whenever a defender is fronting Giannis, like Drew Holiday and Giannis just know like, all right, Drew's going to throw it to the rim. And if it's Javon Carter throwing the pass, he's just going to throw the ball into the rim. So um, Giannis scored 37 points in this game, 24 points in the paint. I don't care that Giannis doesn't have a jump shot. If that dude can score 24 points only in the paint, I don't care that he doesn't have a jump shot. Don't care do care. Doesn't need one. Doesn't need one. I agree. So, Although gotta, he was hitting jumpers in this game, he did hit some mid range.
2: Um, that, that's when I told you. I said it doesn't fucking make sense that he can make mid range, turn yeah. around mid range, pull
1: at mid range. He, he th- made a Dirk fade from a step above the free throw line. He literally did a one foot Dirk Nowitzki fade away. Yeah. Did you? And hear, then he uh, did the two little. Did you? Did you hear Marcus He's Johnson so wrong for that? He said. Shades of Dirk
2: Nowitzki!
1: He was going crazy, bro. Oh, man. He did. He did, man. So, my other thing was Drew Holiday's fourth quarter. Um, 13 of his 17 points came in the fourth quarter. He scored the first nine bucks points in the fourth quarter. Mm. And one of them was like a a step back that he had to take late in the shot clock from like behind the backboard. Mm -hmm. That's Drew's that's apparently his spot yeah dude it's Um,
2: ridiculous (laughs) that's that's
1: nasty so bobby portis finished with 13 five points or five rebounds four assists Mm -hmm. grayson allen to your point about him potentially being an underrated performer 17 points and and eight rebounds um eight rebounds is a lot for grayson allen Mm -hmm. um so brooke lopez 14 points four rebounds five blocks and then i mentioned um George Hill, scoreless, five rebounds, five assists, a block, and two steals. Um, and then Drew Holiday finished with um, 17 points, four rebounds, and six assists. So is there anything else you wanted to say about that game before we just kind of touch on the weekly stuff?
2: Uh, no. Uh, I just think the Bucs played well. I think uh, Anfrey Simmons is going – Simon Simmons. Simons. Um, yeah. Simons. Um He's going to be really really good. He's a smooth athlete, smooth shooter. Um, he's going to be a very very good player. Yep. Um, I would like to see the fully healthy Blazers versus the fully healthy Bucks. I think that'd be a very very exciting game. Not that this was. I'd
1: like but... to see the fully healthy Bucks period. That's a scary thing for the league is that the Bucks aren't their best at the same time and don't have Chris Middleton and Joe Ingles. That's another thing. Like this Bucks team that is 12 and 4, right? 12 and 4. About to get Chris Middleton, you're literally about to add an all star to a 12 and 14. Eek! <laughs> and then you're gonna add a six man of the year candidate to uh, a yeah. say a 30 and 12 team. Man,
2: <laughs> yeah, this team's about to be disgusting by the end of the season, man.
1: Yeah. So what are what are some things that stood out to you on the week as a whole? And then I will. Give a couple and we'll talk about what's coming up.
2: So I talked last week and, um, yes, yeah, so I agree with that, Matt. And Pat and Drew are out of rhythm coming Very back nice. from injury. I did. I did say that Drew played a little bit better in this Blazers game, but Pat first came back. I'm not going to talk about rhythm yet. I did talk last week talking about how the, the Bucks were getting pushed around a little bit. I feel like they were being all physical in a few of the games. I feel like they responded and they played tougher. Um, I still love Brooke Lopez. Um, I missed this Brooke Lopez. I think mm-hmm. I've come to realization that I missed him. And we talk all the time about appreciating things while we have it. Yes. I don't think I appreciated Brook Lopez enough when he was hitting 187 threes in a season, which is still third most in Bucks history. Um, I didn't appreciate him enough, and I'm gonna appreciate him now. So I just wanted to give a shout out
1: to my man Brooke. That's good stuff. Um for me two things stood out. One of them was the third quarter and the other one was defense. So third quarter in these games, 18 against Cleveland, they get a W. Like I said, Mm -hmm. they only scored 38 points in the second half, which is just fantastic. Um, Philadelphia scores 34 in the third quarter. Philadelphia wins that game. And then 18 again against Portland and the Bucks win that game. So the Bucks only allowed 18 points in two of the three third quarters that they played last week. um, And coincidentally got wins in both of them. Um, and then defense. Are you ready for some juicy stats? Yes. All right. So the Bucks defense. Let's get into this. Bucks are third in blocks per game, six and a half. Brooke is still leading the way. He's now second in the NBA per game. Uh, Miles Turner has only played 11 games, and he's got 33 blocks. But Brooke Lopez has 44 blocks and is averaging 2.75 blocks per game. The mm-hmm. Bucks are 5th in defensive rebounding percentage. The Bucks are 4th in opponent points per game. Oh, wow. <sighs> they are 2nd in opponent field goal percentage. 12th in opponent 3-point percentage, which I think is worth mentioning because that's not bad considering yeah. they were one of the worst in the league last year. So I will take 12th in opponent 3-point percentage especially if you're adding in that they're second in opponent field goal percentage total. Mm -hmm. Last one, number one in defensive efficiency. Yeah. I believe all of that. (laughs) I really do. Mm -mm -mm.
2: Give me all of that. Yeah, I agree. (coughs) Wait until they get the spacing (coughs) in Middleton. Just Mm -hmm. wait. This team's going to be disgusting, dude. Um, Yeah. God, if I had to pick an early season matchup that I'd want to see um in the finals from the West, it's not the Jazz. The Jazz will flame out, in my opinion. I don't know who's been really good. I like um I've watched a lot of Pelicans games actually. Pelicans are exciting to
1: watch. I think I'd say Denver. Denver? I like Denver. Like I respect Denver. Like okay. Dallas is good. They kind of have our number a little bit, but
2: Dallas. Whew. That'd be interesting because Luca can literally just control every single game, kind of like Giannis. But Luca literally has the ball every fucking play
1: on offense. So, usage rate is insane. Yeah, it's I crazy. Played like
2: thirty-eight minutes a game. Yeah, so it's no wonder he like has a bazillion thirty-point games and forty-point games. He has the
1: fucking ball game, right? <laughs> I don't know who I'd pick, but right now <clears throat> I actually like Denver. So I don't know that I'd want to beat them in a finals and be like, "Yeah, suck it, Denver." Like, I want to
2: beat them all. I, Oh, if I had to pick somebody I want to beat, definitely the Warriors. Because
1: people were saying that we wouldn't have beat the Warriors last year. That's fair. I'd think i love to beat the Clippers. Clippers is a good one. I'd love to beat the Clippers. Just because people are like, oh, the Clippers. It's like, yes, they're fantastic. Bro. On paper. Bro, and how uninspiring
2: are their fucking alternate jerseys? They're like black. They're like black with a
1: line. And then they're like black with a squiggly side. Like what? Dude like the like the bulls city edition uniforms yeah it's Come like on. yeah don't don't tell anybody we just grabbed bulls uniforms from 2006 and we're like here
2: <laughs> right
1: sir there's nothing creative about that i don't care
2: dude the yeah the bulls are bad that's a bad one
1: all right anything else you want to throw out about the bucks nah talking about the bulls we get to whoop that ass tonight yeah so we get to watch the bulls lose to the bucks tonight um, the Bucks play Cleveland on Friday, and they play Dallas on Monday. So I kind of just mentioned Dallas, but for those games, they're all at home. So because of that reason, um, I will say the Bucks go three and zero in their next three games.
2: God, I don't want to count out Luca. We're beating the Bulls tonight, so I know that's yep. happening. Yep. I'll say,
1: you know, I'll say three and zero. I'll say three and zero. I'm with it. If we're, I'm going to tell you this now. When we play at Dallas, I'm picking Dallas to win, unless Luca's out. But I will see.
2: I don't know. I'm going to wait till that time. I'm not. Right. Maybe maybe Giannis is on fire. Maybe he's on like a five games. I'm not saying the Bucks race.
1: can't beat Dallas, but like I said,
2: Dallas has the Bucks number, especially in. Oh Dallas. yeah, yeah. We suck there. Kind of like we used to suck in Phoenix.
1: Yeah, and Utah. Oh, um, shit. Matt, said, Matt said he's going to the game on Friday. You know, I hope you get a good game to watch. I mean, they're going to play Cleveland, so it'll be a fun game no matter what. Um, yeah. The Suns have become an insufferable team. That's I mean, yeah. I'm not even going to get into that one. I, I feel,
2: It kind of feels like the NBA has, is trying to force the Suns on us because they have CP3 and Booker. And Ager Booker. And, yeah. yeah. I feel like they're trying to force the Suns on us, kind of like they do with the Knicks and the Lakers, and that's what kind of makes them insufferable. Like, don't
1: force us to watch them. We don't want to watch them. Like it's I said, like that, it's like that meme from Bird Box where the guy is holding the chick's eyes open. And it's yeah. like, this is the NBA to New York and LA, even when their teams suck. Right, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't want to watch the fucking Knicks
2: that many times.
1: You I, know, don't, like, I don't want to watch three of the most overrated players in the entire NBA. Two of them, for sure. Fucking Amen. I mean, um, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle are two of the most overrated players in the NBA.
2: Uh, I don't know what's going on,
1: Middleton. Uh, his timetable seems to be varying. Every this week. okay? So real quick on Middleton, I heard that he's his wrist isn't the reason that he's still out. Is that it's his conditioning? Um, that's why they keep sending him to the herd to practice, is so that he can ramp up his conditioning. Um, hmm. Just because they don't like, you don't want to get into a situation where a guy like comes back super early and then he like pulls a muscle on his leg or something like that because right, he's getting right. back into playing NBA speed. So, that's, I mean, that's what I've heard, but, you know, hopefully sooner than later. Hey, if he comes back Friday, good for Matt. Matt gets to see his first game back.
2: That would be amazing. Um, yeah, man. I wouldn't rush him back anyways. Early in the season, we're winning games. It is right. what it is. I mean, Middleton will have some games where Giannis and Brooke and all them are resting.
1: So, it'll be cool. Packers or Rams? Tickets still available. Tyler's already got some. I'm already going, yep. That's going to be... Uh, my wife's first Packer game, actually. So, And,
2: Tim, I'm sorry to say, but I'm not paying money to sit all the way up top. So if you were, um, if your
1: seats were a little bit lower. Okay, Matt heard that too, so I'm not crazy for hearing that. Um, Doesn't make me feel better about wanting to see him play. Hey, we want to see him play too, especially after seeing Pat come back. And it's like, oh, it just feels good to see Pat on the floor. Uh-huh. Like, I want to see Middleton back on the floor. I love watching him play. I love watching his jump shot. Um, he'll be back on December 30th. All right.
2: Hey, that's – uh. It's my brother's birthday. It's a it's a big day in my life, December thirtieth. It's also LeBron's birthday, if you care about that. Hmm. I love that you mentioned LeBron right after Curtis and Tiger Woods. <laughs> it's a pretty famous birthday. That's no, cool. no, no. I have to buy
1: Christmas presents, so sorry, Tim. <laughs> All right, man. Um, the show that we will be on tonight. It's at eight thirty. It is NFL outdated. Um, yes. you can find them on Twitter. I'm not sure. I'm I'm assuming they have a YouTube channel. So if you want to catch us on there, it's NFL Outdated. Um, yep. Jake and I will be on there at 8:30 tonight. So it'll be probably right around halftime of the Bucks game. And um, yeah, Jake and I'll be on guesting on that show tonight. So that'll be that'll be cool for us to mix it up with some other football. Yeah. Fans. I'll have to put it on a different shirt. I know. I was <laughs> like, thinking about that too. It's like, do I just leave my buck stuff on or do I change into Packer stuff?
2: I'll probably just throw a Packers hoodie on. And fucking call I'll it. I'll day. just
1: switch hats. Have a Packer line line somewhere. <laughs> All right, man. I will see you in a few hours. Yes. All right. Thanks everybody for watching and commenting along as always. And for ratioing negative people. Cause that makes us happy. Also, Matt, I missed you, Tim. See you later. Hey Matt, last week, um, his comments were hidden, so he was commenting along on the whole show. And he's like, "Are you guys ignoring me?" And I'm like, "Matt, we wouldn't ignore you. We know you watch the show." So like all of his all of his comments started showing up in like the replay. Yeah, of the I was show. like,
2: where, "Where is Matt been, man?" I was wondering. <laughs> I was like, is this, "He was is here, this but he's, he
1: was commenting in the shadows, so we couldn't see him." He's <laughs> <Matt's> like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you guys later. Later.
3: This is the story of the one.